It's recording. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. You're tuning in to Behind the Great Firewall of China podcast, where we talk sociopolitical issues with an effort to be straightforward, shameless, and honest. What is the Great Firewall of China? It's basically the world's biggest land party, since the Mountain Dew Code Red. The People's Republic of China doesn't exactly permit free expression in the public sphere. So we're here broadcasting a little under the radar. We're not Chinese, if you haven't guessed that already. We're actually a couple of Americans living and working in Shanghai. Uh, we're here to give you a world perspective, and seeing as we're living in China, we're probably going to talk about that too. So China's becoming a more significant player in the world, yet the English-speaking world isn't so familiar with China. We're here to bridge the gap and have a dialogue about world issues and the China experience that's related to them. Uh, I guess that. We're not intellectuals, we're not experts, and we're not journalists. We're a couple of guys with an international background who can give you, perhaps, a different perspective. We're not here to preach, we're here to have an honest dialogue. We hope you enjoy, and maybe learn something new. In this episode, we're talking race, racial issues, and how they relate to China. So, uh, we're living in China, and... As you guessed, I mean, people can be racist here, like they're they're racist anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, People Mm -hmm. identify racial divisions. You can start with the most straightforward racial divisions. We look different. Some people's eyes look different. Some people's skin looks different. Some people's hair looks different. Some people are hairier than others. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mike's a little hairier than I am. (laughs) That's true. But give me some time, you know. (laughs) And it took me a little longer to grow a little hair in my chest. I'm not going to lie. I was always jealous of the boys who had more dick hair than I did uh, in the locker room. Mm -hmm. But uh, Nathan's fortunate enough not to have uh, a huge amount of back hair. (laughs) Some some people like that kind of thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, anyways, yeah. Um, okay. Back, back to, let's get back on track here. So, we're living in China. Um, my experience here uh, is that I've studied Chinese for about um, close to eight years. I wouldn't say that it's been um, sort of intensive study for the whole time. Four years I studied in college. I'd say that was quite intensive. But since I've lived in China for the other four years, I was teaching English in a, in a city called Nanchang, Jiangxi Province. Uh, I continued to study Chinese, uh, but I did it more casually, sort of more real-life experience Chinese, using it in real-life situations rather than studying books. Uh, so my experience was teaching at a university, a place called, well, I'm not going to give you the name of the school, but it was in Nanchang, uh, Jiangxi Province, uh, which is the capital of Jiangxi Province in the southeastern uh, part of China inland, not on the coast. Uh, I kind of refer to it as the West Virginia or the Kentucky of China. <laughs> it has that kind of reputation within China. And uh, I've just moved to Shanghai. Mike here has also just moved to Shanghai from Los Angeles. Yep. Uh, Mike yep. has not actually lived in China, but you have a sort of unique Chinese experience. Uh, what is that? Uh, well, my parents uh, have lived in China for uh, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe four or five years now. I, I visited them a number of times. Um, so, you know, I've been, been well, uh, well-traveled, I guess, in China, uh, now that I'm living here, uh, you know, love it, gotta say. Um, but, uh, also, it's not just Chinese experience, uh, I've lived overseas in, uh, in Japan, a little time in Singapore, all around the United States, so I've never actually lived anywhere longer than seven years, but, uh, I only lived, uh, in Tokyo for seven years, everywhere else it's been four years or less, so, Basically, uh, I like to think of myself as a, uh, a worldly human. 
Uh, he, he definitely wrote that in his college essay. <laughs> yeah, Global Nomad. Yeah. Uh, I joked about how I thought Japanese people were living on trees, which I, I didn't ever think that. I just wanted to get into college. <laughs> and and they like that. So. And, and that's exactly where Mike and I met. Um, our, both of our parents were working in Tokyo at the time. We were in high school. This was you know late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, since then, both of our parents have happened to work in China. Uh, I actually lived in Taiwan when I was much younger. My, my handle with Chinese was not, you know, comparable to it as now, uh, as is my understanding of China at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're here in the People's Republic of China. We're not here in Taiwan. And uh, things are a little different here. Uh, perhaps the perspective is a little different because it's it's a big country. Uh, what's the po- it's, yeah. it's it's at least 1.3 billion people, if not closer to 1.5 billion, if you count sort of unregistered, undocumented individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, with a one-child policy, there's some encouragement uh, towards the undocumented individuals. Yeah, pe- people do this all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, in, in my teaching experience, you would think that most of my students would not have siblings. In fact, most of them did have siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd talk to people from the countryside who at least have two or three siblings. Mm-hmm. And uh, often what, what is the case is that there's there's a couple uh, trying to have babies. They have a girl. They, have they, want, a girl. A, they want a boy. It's, it's, yeah, it's the, the little uh, warrior prince or whatever. People He's like the... boys, but, but okay, why do they like boys in China? Uh, it, you know, a lot of it has to do with like insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could have sort of a retirement home experience when, when you're much older or you could have your son take care of you. Uh, why would you not mm-hmm. depend on your daughter? Traditionally, a daughter is going to leave your family, go live with another family. And take and, care of their, the other family's business. So, I mean, you may look at a son as kind of like an insurance policy for, for, for your sort of later life. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not necessarily men are superior to women. It's mm-hmm. kind of rooted in, in cultural tradition. Whereas mm-hmm. now, actually, a lot of people do prefer daughters. Uh, they find daughters to be quite hardworking, obedient, and so on. And in the in the modern economy, uh, women uh, are very uh, very effective uh, in a lot of uh, a lot of places. Plus, and they're cute, you know. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly. So let's let's talk uh, let's go talk a little bit about uh, race. Um, Let's first of all let's uh, let's know the differences between uh, physical race differences and and uh, like the way people perceive uh, race in that way and then uh, cultural differences. And I, and I think a lot of racism can can be mistaken for just straight up cultural discrimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not always about how you look; it's about how you act and where you're from and sort of what what do you do? How do you handle situations? And uh, why don't we start yeah. with race? So, okay, what do Chinese <laughs> people look like? I'm sure all of you have seen a Chinese person. Mm. If, if you're not actually a Chinese person yourself, uh, what, yellow skin? Is, is yeah, that, I mean, yeah. Is, well, does it really skin. look yellow? Uh, you know, I, I never really thought so. It's, yeah. uh, it's I, I guess there there might be some yellowish to it, but it's really, I've always considered uh, the Chinese, and the East Asian look is just a very light brown. It's a, Light it's, brown or what about white? Yeah, oh, well, well, actually, yeah, I think, uh, I think as far as, like, uh, America, uh, American labels are concerned, I think that Asians are generally considered white now. Like, just, like, the Jews, you know, once, uh, at one point weren't allowed into, like, public swimming pools, and, like, you know, they were not the white norm. They were accepted, and, like, I think... Asians kind of have hit that sort of status point where they've assimilated and they're essentially uh, white for, you know, 
they're they're a little bit different. But a lot, a lot of Asian Americans may disagree with that. Yeah, I think yeah, I think, and that's yeah, I think that's certainly. But but I mean, let's just talk about color straight up. Okay. You've seen a really pale Chinese person or Japanese or Korean for that matter. Yeah, they're, they're pretty damn white. Maybe they are yeah. whiter okay. than a white person. That's true. I mean, yeah. they, they well, they they do wear they do have the parasols. You know, they're they're very anti sun because uh, this is important. I think um, the the tan like a well, you were talking about earlier how uh, being dark, uh, being black is considered dirty. Like, it literally is, you know... Uh, yeah, in, in, this is sort yeah. of a common Chinese mentality that yeah. um, dark skin is associated with, well, manual labor for one, but actually mm. just being straight up dirty. It just maybe looks dirty to many people in China who may have an ignorant point of view towards things. And um, people who are sort of dark in China are traditionally known as farmers. You know, they're out in the sun all day. Manual mm-hmm. laborers, you know, they're out in the sun all day as well. Maybe it's a bit of a status symbol to have white skin. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people in America mistake this for this, this sort of, uh, I don't know, racial, colonial, I, I, don't, I don't really know the word for it. But they, they see it as like it's being imposed by Western countries. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you'll find in, in Chinese history people liked white skin mm. because... Well, people in China are kind of white, and, and their, their color's white. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if you're not in the sun, you're going to have really pale skin. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe you're going to look up to that sort of thing because you have the the bucks yeah. to keep you inside and relax, you know? Yeah, and if, like, you know, it's just, uh, there's a typical trend uh, with beauty where the, the wealthy people sort of uh, embody uh, what a culture believes is beautiful. And so the wealthy people, they hang out inside, or they, they have parasols, or they cars. They're they're not out in the sun, so they're going to be paler, and so there's you know the, that kind of typifies or, or codifies uh, beauty in China as being paler. It's it's yeah, it's very common. Uh, and, that, and then take a walk outside on a sunny day in China, you're going to find mostly women using umbrellas. Mm. Not a lot of dudes. I mean, dudes often don't even use umbrellas in the rain. It's kind of a, a kind of a a masculine, even masculine, macho thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in uh, <laughs> uh, dudes, even being dark in China is actually not really frowned upon. It's it's more the women, women. yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, and I guess there's a certain amount like women are uh, supposed to be homemakers, you know, or uh, w- women aren't supposed to be, yeah, they're not supposed to be laborers. I guess I, I'm not actually sure uh, about exactly the motivation why women should be. Uh, super pale. Maybe the idea of like wealthy men at one point marrying multiple women, uh, you know, would want to keep them as trophies, and so like in the finest condition, they they wouldn't have to work. They would be completely idle. Yeah. Um, so it's just maybe it's just an evolution of that. I, I can't say for certain, but uh, I think there's certain. Yeah. And you you'll find this kind of kind of thing, uh, you know, many places of the world. I mean, I, I'm not sure about Africa, but in in India, you get kind of mm-hmm. a similar thing. I think lighter skinned people, and maybe there is something colonial about that. But mm-hmm. I think people just sort of see it as, you know, you're not you're not outside working. It's a status mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Kind of like uh, people in yeah. China often will will grow longer fingernails. Uh, maybe Shanghai, this isn't as common, but you'll find this. this yeah. You'll find this. Right okay, now, right, I used yeah, to live yeah. in, in Nanchang, uh, uh, you know, let's say the Charleston, West Virginia of China. Mm. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> would actually. You plug in that West Virginia. Well, it could be the Lexington, it could be the Lexington Kentucky. Of I love. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically the Appalachian <laughs> yeah, sort yeah. of poor, uneducated, you know, well, let's say stereotypically uneducated. 
not that the people are not educated there, but stereotypically uneducated. Okay. Perhaps, well, it, perhaps it's more about the perception of what other Chinese people think of it. Mm. Like, kind of like how other Americans are going to bash West Virginia and Kentucky. Which I think is tragic. Yeah, I, it's I, out I, of ignorance. Yeah. And I have family in West Virginia. My mother's from there. I love West Virginia. West yeah. Virginia is awesome. I, I went to a school in North Carolina in the, in the, uh, the, the, the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I just, I, I have an affinity for the South that I just, I can't, I can't fully describe in words. So. And all you pussy ass bitches up north, like <laughs> talking about the South, like you're looking down your nose at the South, and and then you preach all this stuff about oh oh we should respect other cultures, <laughs> yeah. oh we should yeah. we should let them do their. But in the yeah. South, they're so dumb. <laughs> it's like, like it's well, you're dumb. doing the same thing. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It's it's horrible. It's horrible. I mean, and like most, I think most of the great American culture comes from the South. You Music, know? bluegrass. Yeah. Oh bluegrass. yeah, bluegrass, the blues. Rock and roll is literally from the south. Live like, chicken, bitch. Where's that from? Yeah. I don't know where it's from, but Kentucky's famous for it. That's you know? true. Chinese love it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone. I mean, everyone loves fried chicken. In, in fact, uh, the most the most popular uh, Chinese fast food is actually KFC. Yeah, you know? it, it, it makes it well. Uh, chickens were uh, originally domesticated in China. Um, I, I guess that would be maybe eleven thousand or nine thousand years ago. Did they invent like deep frying? Uh, well, I know that Africa was the first, uh, they were the first ones to deep fry uh, concerning the American experience. Like, because uh, New England, Europeans weren't deep frying things. Africans were. Like, that's, you know, so they, they actually brought that tradition along a number of foods like okra, watermelons, you know. But, but yeah, the, it was actually the reason why the South is so into deep frying is because the Africans brought that over from home. Because uh, if you look right south, you got to thank your blacks. You yeah, know? you really have like they, I mean, soul food. Seriously, it's a it's a beautiful thing. How about jazz music? I mean, jazz, jazz music's really, it's fascinating, because it's, it, it's modern European instruments uh, combined with uh, sort of a Gold Coast rhythms, if you will. So it's, it's, it's a fusion of a style of music and then the tools of music. And just, it's a, a wonderful, like, collection mixture of uh, different musics, producing something that was completely new. And amazing. I'm 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 sort of a nerd when it comes to to, to music, especially sort of. yeah, sort of just a little bit, just a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although so, I mean, yeah. or maybe this could be like a later topic. What's up with traditional Chinese music and its lack of percussion? I don't. I yeah. I really. This is something. I'm kind of baffled, like uh, uh, why, like Asia doesn't seem to be a music producer, and like no, they know, they do, they, they have time. music. Yeah. Well, they have the opera, the well, Chinese yeah, opera, yeah, Chinese opera, but then you get the you know those flutes, you get Chinese instruments, arhu. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. well, there's a lot of Chinese instruments, but if you look like on the on the world stage, why what why hasn't like Chinese, Japanese, Korean music, like why hasn't that taken sort of international like had appeal uh, to an international audience? Like, well, know, I mean, if you look at their pop music which is basically you know influenced by the west yeah Uh, yeah and uh, j-pop and k-pop I don't. Big, you know. Yeah, I, I want to avoid talking uh, about pop for a number of reasons. Right. Well, <laughs> but anyways, I mean, uh, Chinese music. You have some traditional instruments like arhu, which is uh-huh. sort of like um, I guess it's more similar to a violin. Yeah, I think it had one, two strings two maybe. Strings, yeah, you see them on the street. Yeah, they're they're playing. Right, you know, one, yeah. one of those things. And then there's the pipa, which is mm-hmm. kind of like a, a little bit like a mandolin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you have the guzun, mm-hmm. which is I guess. 
I wouldn't know how to describe it. It's sort of like a a long horizontal piece that has uh, several strings, and people pluck the strings like you would pluck any stringed instrument. Okay. And but see, what I guess the comparison or what I'm trying to say uh, is, you know, uh, musicians from say the West will travel to to Mali or somewhere in Africa or South Africa or you know, or Europe is a big producer of like you get the the UK sort of the rock or you know, there's dubstep being produced. Like there's a lot of I, I. no, yeah, I, I saw on, on YouTube that yeah. dubstep was actually invented in the late 90s. All right. <laughs> it's just, just coming to its cusp now. That's, that, that's yeah. actually kind of interesting. Um, uh, but I, I just think that, like, there's certain regions that you consider music powerhouses. Uh, you know, like, America has been leading the world in music for a very long time. Uh, but, but, Mike, that's because of cultural hegemony. Uh, um, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's not that it sounds good. It's, it's, yeah, it's not that it's exciting. It's, it's, you know, it's just cultural hegemony. Well, I don't, I don't know. I think some of it is definitely because it's exciting. Like, jazz, that that wowed the world. Like, that was, you know, I think Mark Twain, no, not Mark Twain, sorry, um, uh, Kurt Vonnegut said that Amer- the greatest, like, America's greatest achievement was was the blues. Yeah, like well, the blues, and you yeah. get your jazz, and you get your rock. You know, yeah. we, we have a lot of damn good music that was originated in America. And mm. people like to say America has no culture, especially them European yeah. elitists. Oh, talking about, you had yeah. no, what is, what is your culture? McDonald's? Fuck you, man. You love jazz music. You love blues music. You and your little pretentious music taste, you're all into that shit. And I bet you like fried chicken, too. Yeah, who doesn't have fried chicken? great. Who doesn't like it? Um, Eating your frog legs. <laughs> Is that even like a European thing? Uh, and, uh, well, I mean, they eat frog legs in Singapore. They eat, I think frog legs are just... They, they eat them in them everywhere. Yeah, okay, what's up, with, they, what's up with calling French people frogs? I uh, I think that they just... People don't like the French. And so... <laughs> frogs? Yeah. I, I really got that. I, they like, might have been the first ones to eat right. frog. Cool. Well, because I know in the South, uh, like in New Orleans, it's popular to eat frog legs. And the South, uh, at least New Orleans, you know, it's uh, originally a French colony or... Yeah, a French colony. So that's, yeah, I think that the, a lot of the food actually originated as a French-style food. Um, so I, I think it's acceptable uh, to assume that the French were one of the earlier or one of the bigger proponents for frog leg eating. And they got some good food in French. Yeah. I mean, in France. Oh, yeah, they definitely... French. I mean, the uh, the American sort of foodie revolution, if you will, um, uh, largely started with Julia Child uh, studying in, in in France. Like, she had no idea how to how to freaking cook before she moved to France, and then she she went to the the, the culinary institute. I don't know which one. One of the I guess famous ones. Versailles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so bad. Uh, no, she went to one of the culinary institutes, and uh, and then she came back. She had. She released cookbooks. She had her show, and she basically taught the American, uh, the American housewife, how to cook. And like, not because America was a meat and potatoes country. Like, the only real food that we had in America that was, uh, I think, a little bit special was Italian food. Yeah. But uh, but a lot of the you know Italian foods actually fairly simple when it comes down to it. Um, but like a lot of Americans, like they just. They, they expanded their horizons and their technical skills because of Julia Childs. Well, you know, Mike, you know what they say about Italian food? Uh, <laughs> what do they say? They say that the Chinese invented uh, yeah, pasta. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, certainly, I think noodles is a great idea. Like, you know, I think... It's and, a great idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. Uh, 
Because before, you know, before there were noodles, like, when we were, like, not Neanderthals, although we, I guess we did mix with them technically, but when we were, you know, we, we were first agrarians. Represent. Yeah, we were. Oh, <laughs> When we first started being agrarians, we'd basically make, like, tortilla kind of things that were just, like, hand-mashed and, like, the, the food uh, in early civilization was not impressive. <laughs> you have from like, Mexican food? No, 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 no. It's. It was like it. It was hand ground. Like you're, it talking, wasn't, you're talking flatbread. Yeah, it's like flatbread, but it's just not nearly as as well done. Like yeah. you know, there might yeah. It's I, I, like no, I love Mexican food. Um, backpedal here a little bit, yeah. but uh, no, it's just like it, it would be like just sort of slapped together. Like it, there wasn't nearly as much form to it. It was more because early agrarians, uh, contrary to to public belief, had it really hard. They didn't have time to live a luxurious life. And make food great. They, you know, the, uh, the, the agrarian actually worked uh, maybe 150% more than a hunter-gatherer. Uh, and, you know, before really modern, modern farming techniques, most people, uh, around 90% of people, uh, were committed to agriculture. That was their life. Hmm. Uh, yeah, just a fun little sub-fact. Although the Green Revolution, that's probably a topic for later, but... The thing about Chinese food yeah. is... Um... I think people here are quite picky when it comes to eating, and they're they're very yeah. sort of set in eating Chinese food. And I and mm-hmm. there's something special about Chinese food. A lot of the time is is the way it's prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. and I, I don't know about the listeners. You may be familiar with Americanized Chinese food, Westernized Chinese. Food. It's not it's the not same. The same. It's, it's not prepared the same. The vegetables are not always the same. Mm-hmm. The flavors are not always the same. The texture yeah. is not always the same. Yeah. And China, China is, it has a wonderful uh, culinary tradition. And that is it's got a pretty diverse culinary tradition yeah it's it, like america it's it's not it, i wouldn't even say it's a sliver of what uh you know chinese food is about because it's you know it's morphed into uh, uh, something that's acceptable to american palates like it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's a sliver of something that's a little bit that's different than what's happening in china it's and let's just say that the the food in china is better yeah, um, it's uh, it, it tastes better. It's it's a little more refined, and uh, they use better ingredients. Yeah, they use better, and it's also. I mean, yeah, you're you're very. You're not gonna. It's not a. It's not buffets every corner. You know, it's not like a, the Chinese buffet in America, which is one of the more dominant, I guess, in small town America uh, forms of Chinese food. And, and you're gonna find that they they take a lot of fresh vegetables, right? I mean, people yeah. buy That's, yeah produce. You know. Same day. You're going to buy your yeah. produce. And use it that day. A lot of vegetables. And these vegetables yeah. are going to be cheap. Because and why? Cheap. Because cause everybody wants the vegetables. Yeah. You know, everybody's going to want the vegetables. They're why fine. would they be expensive? That's going to hinder your cuisine. So mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have a lot of people buying these vegetables. You're going to prepare them in a certain way. You're going to cut them in a certain way, a little bite-sized sort of way. Mm-hmm. So when you pick it up with your chopsticks, <laughs> it's very easy to yeah. eat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't, you don't yeah. need you a don't fork need a and knife. Yeah. You know, chopstick culture. And yeah, that, that, you, you have a fork yeah. and knife. Maybe, yeah. maybe the Chinese think we're silly. Maybe they think, well, why didn't the chef do that for you? Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. what's up with that? You're going to mm-hmm. cut your own food? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Why don't, why don't we have the guy preparing the food cut it for you? Huh? <laughs> why, why don't you have your wife cut it for you, bitch? You know? <laughs> well, or your husband. Well, well, or your husband. Well, you know, well, we're, we're all well, money here, you know? Uh, you know, as, 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 you know, I'm not as, quite a stay-at-home dad yet, but I do, all, I do all the cooking in my house, so I'm a married man, you know. I don't do any of the cleaning. I actually, I did a, I had a dinner party with a, co- a bunch of Chinese co-workers. It was the first time some of them had tried Western food, but, you know, 
I I did the cooking, and you know, I yeah, I, I want to to impress uh, some of the ladies that I work with. You know, I think I think I did. <laughs> yeah. Little little lamb shank. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I did. Well, actually, lamb is hard to find here because uh, they're 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 pig pig and cow people. Uh, well, in southern China. In, so, yeah, in yeah, southern, southern China, China. Yeah, northern China. That's where the lamb is. Uh, <laughs> or if you're if you're like close enough and far enough south into the coast, like Hong Kong, for example, they import a lot from a uh, New. Zealand and Australia. Yeah. Uh, well, Hong Kong is a big importer. Actually, I learned recently Hong Kong has uh, a fraction of the taxes that uh, that China does. So a lot of people go to Hong Kong, um, actually for a lot of reasons. But one of them is to buy goods because there's no tariffs uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to China, which a lot of goods have like a 40, 50 percent tariff. Yeah. Uh, you know, like automobiles is a big one or, uh, you know, and that... And the tariff is always kind of a, a, a reasonable and uncomfortable thing in our globalized free trade world because it's, you know, hey, we're not, you know, we're going to sell you our stuff real cheap, but we're going to we're gonna make it harder for foreign, foreign marketers, foreign uh, goods to get in our country. But at the same time, it builds up your industry to the point where it can become competitive. And it can be, yeah. Oh. I'm going to just... <laughs> so, so, so back to race. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, well, yeah. Okay. I, I th- okay. First, I mean, since since we're finally on the topic that we said we discussed, <laughs> um, we're getting let's, there. Let's talk about common views of race in okay. China. Let, let's, um, let's do it. A lot of people that I, in just let's say in my experience, um, I've worked okay. in southern China, and as we as we talked about before, you know, the food may be different in northern China, maybe more mutton based, or in the mm. south, maybe more yeah. pork based. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. Uh, the cultures are quite different between north and south. In mm. fact, I, I like to look at China as if, let's say you take Europe under the Roman Empire, let's say at the same time we had the Han Dynasty in China. Okay. Let's, okay. Say, let's say around zero, the year yeah. zero, you know, Jesus times. Mm-hmm. And um, let's say the Roman Empire never broke up. Let's say it just grew bigger. Let's say with, with every century, you know, they gained a little more territory up north, a little more territory out west, a little more territory out east. You know, maybe they even went into Africa. Anyways, let's Wait, just imagine. <laughs> let's just imagine okay, okay. that that Europe had become one big great empire, uh, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, it could be Roman Empire, whatever. And um, let's say it stayed that way. They maintained sort of an authoritarian regime throughout that time. Maybe the power shifted, but it you know retained its authoritarianism. But Europe didn't happen that way, right? I mean, Europe split up and uh, became more localized, whereas China didn't. China stayed together. China is very localized in certain regions, yet uh, there's one government, one party. And uh, you had this throughout history. You had uh, sort of one government, one dynasty. And I, I sort of like to see this as the communist dynasty. Um, not I like really. That. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it, it, I like and because that. is it communist? It's not communist. No, it's not <laughs> communist. It's the furthest thing from communist. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I mean, like, America is more communist than China is at this point. Um, <laughs> I, I might need you to clarify that later. Well, but, no, but I mean, what, what is communism? You're sort of yeah, yeah. You're making it, uh, you're, you're providing yeah. social services for your that's citizens true, who true. pay taxes. And, right? China, and China, notably, uh, Chinese com- commonly complain about how the social services are very weak here. But yeah. that's that's just a side note. Please, Nathan, sorry, I interrupted. Well, well anyways, um, Europe broke up and China stayed together. So you're still going to have divisions of culture within China. In the mm. north, uh, it's more wheat-based, where in the south, it's more rice-based. Mm. And you're going to find different body types. In the north, people eat more meat. 
They have more dairy. They have more wheat. And uh, they're going to be bigger. They're taller. Their mm-hmm. bone structure is bigger. Um, you know, we could go on about, like, penis size. I didn't really want to I didn't want to discuss this issue. Then why did you bring I didn't want to discuss this issue because people were going to think it. You know, people were going to think Everyone's going to go on, the engine, small penis. And I don't know. Okay, the thing is, I don't know if that's even true in the north of China. I mean, maybe it's true in the south. What also? Not like I'm looking at everybody's dick here or anything, but, you know. And there's one... Uh, there's one thing that uh, that almost every Chinese person will talk about, ver- North versus South, is that in North, they're just uh, they're more, I'd say, aggressive, or like, you know, if you wrong them, if you cross them, they'll punch you. You know, like, they, they have no qualms with that. Southern China, um, the, the best way I guess I heard it was uh, Southern Chinese men are pussies. What? Well, <laughs> Shanghai. Uh, Shanghai. Uh, Shanghai. <laughs> Southern men are not necessarily pussies. Actually, they're quite savvy mm. a lot of the time, and, and they're quite smart, but maybe there's, there's just stereotype that they they use their intellect to sort of overpower others in a very indirect way mm-hmm. uh, you get a lot of savvy businessmen down here mm-hmm. who will freaking cheat your ass six ways from sunday and mm-hmm. they will make more money than you because they're more ruthless and perhaps a little more clever mm-hmm. um but you know these are all stereotypes we're talking about yeah. and, and <laughs> yeah, in the north i mean I, I actually saw this in in a one of those thoughtful china no, uh, yeah, sort of thing. Okay. Uh, PT was talking to PT Black dude at Thoughtful China. Um, they they do Good some guy. sort Good of guy. programs about, um, I guess trends, uh, business trends but, in China. Mm-hmm. A lot about marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where in the north you get more of a macho culture, in the south mm-hmm. you get more of a suave culture. Yeah, well, I think that's actually very similar uh, to the American experience, um, it, like earlier American experience, where you had sort of the the southern plantation intellectual, mm-hmm. you know, who was a, a very a very uh, 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 shit, I can't think of the word. Uh, the, the the Southern intellectual, plan, uh, you know, he was intellectual. Um, he was uh, maybe mildly effeminate. You know, had, could have a cane or something. A little decorative with his with his lifestyle. You're talking south. I'm talking the South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, like a, a Southern gentleman. If you, ever, you, will. you ever watch yeah. John Adams? Uh, the HBO. I have not seen that show. Do uh, they they talk? Well, about they, no, they don't talk about it. They just show it. Uh huh. Yeah, there's like. Yeah. I am from Virginia, and I do not go with the measure. You know, the, yeah, the, yeah, it's the southern gentleman. Yeah. It's the southern gentleman. Wait, the yeah. southern gentleman was a feminine? Uh, a little bit of feminine. Really? Yeah, a little bit of feminine. Yeah, it's, yeah. And while well, in the north, uh, like you know, the factory the factory workers yeah. or the men, men were a little bit uh, rougher around the edges. Was, well, those know. roles changed. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> did. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> did. But this was the, like uh, essentially uh, for I think like maybe fifty to hundred years of American history. These were the two sort of dominant male uh, sexual trends, yeah. uh, if you will. The southern gentleman versus sort of the uh, the rough and tumble uh, northern northern worker. Is, yeah. yeah. And and what about the women of those areas? We're talking about men a lot. What about the women? Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. very good. Um, honestly, I, uh, that's a history that I did not read. But when we're talking about modern times... Yeah. I gotta say, Southern chicks got it going on. That's true. Northern chicks better step your game up. <laughs> well, I was in, you know I was in Hong Kong uh, recently doing visa, you know the the the, the great international visa run. Uh, I guess it's not actually international, but uh, one thing I did notice: uh, Shanghainese women a little bit a uh, little bit better looking. You know, but yeah. but are okay Shanghainese or are they women who live in Shanghai? I okay women that live in Shanghai definitely. Well, people but, flock to Shanghai exactly. Uh, I think, like, maybe 20, I heard the statistic, I don't remember, less than 50% of people that live in Shanghai are, are Shanghainese, mm. that are, are from Shanghai. Uh, that's definitely true. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I think it's around 20%. Yeah. If my numbers, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, sort of like the New York of China. You're going to get a lot of girls who come here to become models, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. you're going to get, a, you know, a lot of good looking women, nice bodies, real tall, real thin, you know, wearing short shorts yeah. in the summer, yeah. real long Lovely. legs, yeah. wearing, wearing those nice high heels mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm. And, yeah, you know, Delicious. <laughs> I'll let Mike. I'm a married dude. I'm gonna let Mike continue with this one. So. I, I mean, I, I don't. Uh, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to come off as uh, one of those guys. So I'm just. I'm gonna push along. Maybe jump back to the the, the hotness factor later. Um, actually, I'm gonna film a film something. Uh, maybe get some what, porno. Mm, no, 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 it's not a porno. It's a legit it's legit film. Okay, it's it's not. I swear. I swear. It's, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, right, so back to the the issue of race. Yeah. Um, again. Uh, uh, so, so so in my experience, I've I've sort of dealt mm. with a lot of people from Jiangxi Province, mm. and I don't want to lump all Chinese people to be to be the same to have the same thinking. Mm. I'm talking about people that I've encountered in in Jiangxi, and most of them are actually from Jiangxi, mm. either from Nanchang or from some of the smaller cities or, or mm. counties within Jiangxi, which includes Pingxiang, Shangrao, Jiujiang, Ganzhou. Is, is uh, Nanchang is that the uh, the region capital or is that the yeah it's, it's, it's the provincial capital provincial and capital. Um, it's out, it's known as the hero city, the Yingsheng Chengshu. That's pretty. That's uh, a pretty sexy. Title. Why why is it the hero city? Because mm. Way back in 1927, August 1st, there was the first uh, sort of communist military uprising, which occurred there. And um, what they often don't tell you is that they lost on that same day, and they fled. And uh, <laughs> it's not as sexy. <laughs> but they, they sort of fled to Jingan Mountain, and uh, which is a mountain within Jiangxi Province, which is you know known for its sort of historical significance uh, of sort of red history or red tourism which is going to be the communist tourism a lot of you know a lot of Mao Zedong dick riders are going to, are going to go up to Jingangshan dick rider <laughs> well guys who you know really admire Mao and, and, and are, are not going to sort of admit his flaws that you know those kind of people are going to are going to be all about Jingangshan which Mao Zedong's got his planning a vacation there now. Well, you know what they say. They say about Jingang Mountain is if if I, I think maybe this is this is what a lot of government workers think. If you want to get a promotion. You go climb Jingang Mountain, and your chances of getting a promotion will increase. I don't know if this is some sort of super superstition thing, or if this is like the networking and the, the yeah, maybe yeah, the networking, yeah, yeah. or maybe like hey, hey, leader, Status, hey, yeah. hey, leader, hey, I went to Jingang Mountain. Hey, um, you know, I, you know, there's another position open. Uh, you know, so. <laughs> I like to imagine that with, with no no time in between. Just, I like that. I think that's a, I don't think that's accurate, but I think that's a beautiful scenario. Honestly, I don't know how it works. Yeah. People are getting promotions yeah. after they're climbing the mountain. It could be magic. Yeah, it could be it could politics. Be, well, it could be self fulfilling too. You know, you think, hey, I'm climbing the mountain. I'm a badass. I, you know, I've done this. Your confidence goes up. You know, it's like a, the, the, the Self-fulfilling it's, prophecy. It's, it's like the secret. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. so, so on to the, the racial thing. Um, <laughs> let's just say that a lot of people yeah. have expressed, uh, you know, the thoughts that we are different. And mm, and mm. If, if you look at anybody with eyeballs, um, <laughs> you'll see that we actually are quite, you know, different physically. Mm, um, mentally, yeah. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
uh, let's say Chinese people have black hair, straight black hair all the time. So, yeah, that's um, true. A lot of them. But then again, you're going to get minorities in China. They mm-hmm. say there's 56 ethnic groups in China where the vast majority are Han Chinese, what you would mm-hmm. think of as your your, your, your Chinese people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you're going to have your Tibetans, your Uyghurs uh, from Xinjiang province, uh, also known as East Turkestan to those uh, liberator types. And uh, <laughs> not, not to say that they, I mean, maybe they do deserve liberation. I don't know. I mean, we're, we're broadcasting from behind the Great Wall here and uh, a little under the radar so we can talk about these sensitive issues. Mm, I, I wanna, honestly, yeah, as we can. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't want to be afraid. Yeah. I'm not trying to knock, you know, the dignity of Uyghurs and, mm. and the province that they claim as a country. Uh, but the Chinese have basically expanded uh, their country, and mm-hmm. a lot of people would tie in colonial themes to that. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. maybe Tibet mm-hmm. is, is, is really more of a colonial territory of China. Mm-hmm. Xinjiang may be a colonial territory. Of I, I think it's, it's, it's also important to note uh, the, the, the Han Chinese, the, the dominant uh, the ethnic group, is doing a lot of the expanding um, at the expense, or maybe not necessarily at the expense, sorry uh, for wording it like that, um, but they're, they're expanding into the other, uh, the, the territories that generally were dominated by minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, was the, uh, the western province, it's about the size of Texas. Um, Xinjiang? Xinjiang uh, was uh, maybe 30, 40 years ago was around 90%, um, 90% uh, Uyghur. Uyghur, yeah. And, and now, Chinese are called Weiwarzu. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now um, it's about uh, it's about 45 to 50% Uyghur, and uh, the other uh, 50, 55% are Han Chinese. Not to be mistaken with Uyghur. Mm-hmm. We're not talking white, you know. We're not talking white dudes acting black. We're talking about a, a real sort of ethnicity called Uyghurs. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to give you the spelling, uh, but let's just say they're kind of a Turkic. Uh, ethnicity. Often they look Central Asian. Yeah, they look Central Asian. A lot of people would say they look a little Middle Eastern, maybe mm-hmm. a little Middle Eastern mixed with 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 Asian, maybe mixed with white. You mm-hmm. get people with reddish hair. You get people with black hair. You get people with freckles, pale skin, dark skin, more body hair. Uh, different traditions. Kind of a nomadic culture mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. some respects, but there's many great cities out in Xinjiang. Uh, you may know Kashgar, Chinese Han Chinese called Kashir, and uh, this <laughs> is this is near the border of Pakistan. And, and a lot of their culture may be shared more with Central Asian culture mm-hmm. rather than sort of Eastern Chinese culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that seems to make sense. Well, within China, you're going to get racism. You're going to get a lot of discrimination yeah. against these groups. Let's talk about people from Xinjiang themselves. Mm-hmm. And you're going to talk about the majority perspective of people, people living in eastern China, living in these big cities. Mm-hmm. Sort of imagine that America uh, in the West is mostly Native American. And let's say in the East, mostly white people. And then okay. we start getting a lot of poverty in the Western region and a lot of prosperity in the Eastern region. You're going to start getting a lot of these uh, Native Americans that come out to New York or whatever. Let's say they're very poor. You're going to get a lot of the, the, the scum that are going to come out East to make a quick buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, often, often through crime. Yeah. Pickpockets, mm-hmm. drug dealers. Uh, I've talked to people in Shanghai who say... Eight out of ten Xinjiang people in Shanghai are thieves. Mm-hmm. The other two are drug dealers. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's like yeah, yeah, I've heard oh, that. Wow. Yeah, there's there's no room yeah. for just normal people mm. uh, doing their thing, supporting yeah. their families, and maybe because 
the prosperous East attracts these 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 scummy types. Yeah. And economic conditions play a big role in that. This is not this is not a racial thing. This is an economic thing. Yeah. It's it's and also you talk about education uh, being very expensive, and it's not it's not public. uh, Like you know, uh, America plenty of flaws with their education system, but the fact that everyone has access to school, you know, Mm -hmm. it's. That is actually something compared to here, where if you don't have the money, you're not going to go to school. And, you know, it's a sad situation because a lot of the people are very ignorant in their Mm -hmm. sort of point of view, much like uh, a lot of Americans are towards blacks. And I don't mean just white Americans. I mean a lot of Americans discriminate against black people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this has to do with sort of socioeconomic issues. And they're Mm going to lump all black people together. Xinjiang Mm -hmm. people kind of have the same deal in China. They're the blacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, of, of China as are the blacks to America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, uh, you brought up uh, something uh, very good earlier uh, about how China is starting affirmative action. Yeah. And I, I, I think that, you know, th- it's... I think that's a great thing. Uh, they're, they're not starting. They, they've been doing they've been, it. They've yeah. been doing it. Yeah. Edu- in education. In education, yeah. yeah. And I think that's a great thing because it's, it's acknowledging that, you know, there there are uh, race issues. And at the same time, it's trying to trying to balance uh, balance these issues. As like Willem Dafoe said in, in Spider-Man, there are certain, <laughs> certain yeah. inequalities yeah. that must be rectified. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, mean, I guess a lot of minorities in China are given a leg up. Uh, especially on the Gaokao, which is the college entrance examination. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, where are you going to go to college in China? It's uh, very important based on this test. Yeah, like, and, this and, is the, it's the SATs on crack. Like, it is yeah, it's the, the SATs test. of China, but, you know, you, you sort of in America, you have your SAT, but then yeah, you have your college it, essay, like yeah, we talked about before. We yeah. talk about, well, I'm an international uh, nomad. Yeah. I have a global experience. <laughs> I mean, in college. Yeah, and, yeah. like, your GPA, yeah. but, like, this is much more important than anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in America, you get your GPA, you got your yeah. extracurriculars, your leadership, mm-hmm. your clubs, your charity. China, yeah. fuck that shit. Yeah. We're, we're going to see your test score. If you couldn't do the test like a normal person, but screw you. You ain't coming to my school. You're out. Yeah. yeah. It's it's pretty stark uh, in that respect. And the other thing is, you know, we're talking about planned economies maybe. You know, a lot of yeah. people, they... They're they, very they, good at planning. They're very... Well, are they... Okay, let me hear your point sorry, before but, I, yeah. Yeah. You disagree, clearly. Well, I mean, not clear. I mean, I disagree okay. aspects of it. But oh, anyways, okay, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're good at planning uh, a lot of things. Yeah. Beijing Olympics, great. Yeah. yeah. A Shanghai Expo, great. great. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Was, yeah Shanghai City Planning, awesome. Yeah. Beijing City Planning, eh, a lot of traffic. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but they, 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 they've been doing things. They've been doing things. <laughs> 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 Anyways, what was I talking about? Uh, so the, the, uh, the, this college entrance examination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may take this test and you may say, oh, I want to do this major, I want to do that major. In the end, if if you're not the best student, the, yeah, party, yeah. the party may decide your major for you. Um, I was teaching English students in Nanchang. A lot of my students, not a lot, actually, a number of my students uh, did not choose English as their major. They wanted to do international business. They wanted to do finance. They wanted to do marketing. But they just didn't test high enough. Uh, the government, which runs the education system, mm-hmm. uh, said, hey, you're going to do this. You're going to be an English student. And you get a lot of boys who, who, who are in the English department, and they're a minority. 
in the English department. And a lot of these boys, you can tell, the self-esteem is not very high. It seems that the girls mm-hmm. are dominating in these classes. And when you have these traditional ideals of male dominance, a lot of these boys, I think the self-esteem gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of them don't try very hard. They're not interested because they mm-hmm. didn't want to do English. Yeah. But, um, you know, this is because this, this is a central planning thing. We're going to have this many English majors. We're going to have this many engineering majors, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we're going to care about the quality of their education. We're just going to make them do this and that. Mm-hmm. And they're going to take these tests. If they do well, uh, good on them. If they don't, you know, you know, throw them to the wolves. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a... It's one of those mixed uh, mixed bags. Which it's an example of you know future planning, uh, where you know the government's you know by mandating these things, it's like you know well we want to have an economy you know based on these sort of ideals, based on these skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you're telling people their major, which that as a, as a you know a liberal arts uh, American, that's very uncomfortable. <laughs> that and but but maybe yeah, America could use a little dose of maybe not necessarily central planning but mm. maybe a little, a little dose more, of, yeah. of maybe less liberal arts yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm a liberal arts major myself yeah. and um you know yeah. maybe it's not the most useful yeah. major in terms okay. of the real oh, wait, world wait, wait. history know? political science that's pretty broad <laughs> read a book read a few books you know you, you go to a college you read a bunch of books the, yeah. college, the professor yeah. assigns you you discuss it in class yeah. Yeah, but I mean, our- as far as skill sets go, like I, I I've been doing uh, some work in uh, in production, and you know, I, I I don't have hard skills. Like I've got, you know, I can write, I can joke, I can, you know, I can craft yeah. characters. You're not exactly building a dam, though. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm not building a dam. But even in something that's the media industry, like I don't, I can't edit. You know, like I, I don't, I, I I can do a little bit of filming. You know, yeah. but like not what well, like. Well, I, isn't that you, that's another thing in America? A lot of people are trying to do all that media study stuff. A lot yeah. That. yeah. Yeah, it's true. Sure. But but then again, where are the jobs in this? There's uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean that's uh, <laughs> yeah. that's. But that's I mean, I think yeah. maybe America's losing out on a lot of the hard sciences, man. I think we mm-hmm. need more people to be interested in science and math because look, we got roads, we got bridges, we have things that need real intelligence, mm-hmm. and and America's mm-hmm. sort of decaying. And if we yeah. don't have people mm-hmm. genuinely interested in these things, if we're not supporting people who are interested in these things, yeah. just when men are. Interested in these things. Although, I mean, less so now, uh, especially with the economy, but America was known as, like, the, the wonderful uh, brain drain on other countries, because, mm-hmm. uh, like, for some reason, our, our you know, uh, K through 12, not that great, but our higher education, our colleges, our research universities, our land-grant universities... Best in the world, like not they're awesome. Yeah. yeah, they're like you know. So so basically, the strategy is you know we kind of educate our people. The ones that are great go on further, and then anyone else in the rest of the world that wants to come, you know, check out a little American uh, freedom, American whatever. Uh, you know, they. We, I don't know. I, don't know. I kind of want to do women's studies. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of want to go to college for women's studies. Not. I mean, yeah, that's, that does happen. I don't think that. I mean, I'm trying to think of an international student that studied uh, women's studies. It's well, at least in my school the uh, the twelve uh, the uh, the twelve um, N- Nepalese kids uh, were studying either business or uh, <coughs> I 
economics. Some, <laughs> some kind of somewhat practical stuff. I mean, yeah, okay, there's yeah. nothing wrong with women's studies, but <laughs> are you trying to pay $40,000 a year yeah. to go to a good school to study women's studies? Just look at the curriculum. Find the book list. Read the books. And then study something practical. You know? Sure, there's a great discussion forum in universities. Actually, if you're very good, you could work closely with one of those professors. If you want to become a professional researcher, academic type yourself, it's great. But if you don't, you know, if you don't want to do that, read the books. Study something more practical. You can gain the knowledge without paying the money for that sort of education. And you can learn something with, with maybe a more practical skill set. Although, I, I mean, I took a, a sociology class, a uh, race class in gender, and while it wasn't the full-on women's study experience, that mm. definitely the, the, the women's issues were discussed uh, yeah. to, to a fair extent. And I... I don't think, I mean, I was really satisfied with that class. Like, Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, no, those classes I, are awesome. Yeah. I, you I you could do that at a book club. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm not sure that, like, just the the fact that, you know, someone committed their life, you know, to, to these types of issues yeah. uh, and did, like, the research, like, the hard numbers and then the anecdotal yeah, right, research, right, yeah. like, I... I think there is value. Like, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're going to go into academia, the major makes sense. But I think you know, as, yeah, as far as a practical uh, member of society, I, I don't know. But I think the classes themselves uh, are invaluable. And, and you're right about that. I mean, I think yeah, I, I think we we do need these topics, and yeah. um, it, it's good that universities fund these topics. And I guess students going to school support that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, and so if you want to support women's studies. Uh, and you want to become a women's studies major, good on you, you know, but it's not necessarily, okay, this is basically this. When I was in high school, nobody really told me this. College is a great networking opportunity for the future, for the real world. You go to an Ivy League school, it's not necessarily because you're going to be studying under the best professors. Or you're, you're going to get a better education. You're going to be getting the network. You're going to make friends. Yeah. You're going to get these people who are going to do great things. And maybe they want to hire you in the future. Maybe mm. you want to hire them in the future. You know, maybe you're going to have a great networking web where, mm. where the, these people are, are going to sort of just make your future uh or give you more opportunities. Well, yeah, maybe yeah. Their, their families have money and they're going to invest in your, your crazy startup idea, which happens to be the next Amazon or, yeah, you know. Or the next Google, the next or the Snow, Facebook or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it just, yeah, that's. And nobody told me that when I was in high school. And that's, that, yeah. that kind of pissed me off when I realized <laughs> when it was too late. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't pay for college. My, my father, quite successful what he does and he 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 was very generous enough to pay for my education uh i went to hampshire college which is up in amherst massachusetts very very liberal school they don't even give grades they give you evaluations (laughs) which is not necessarily a bad thing but i gotta say it's not very motivational not very incentivizing uh i gotta say my freshman year in my hallway uh a lot of the guys that i sort of hung out with a lot of time these guys dropped out after one year Mm. because they weren't going to class sitting in their dorm room smoking weed, smoking blunts, Mm -hmm. smoking hookah, putting weed in hookah, smoking that, putting chocolate milk in hookah with mint shisha. It tastes pretty damn good. It tastes like mint chocolate. I love love shisha. Cola is my favorite flavor. But you can can work a nine to five and do that. You know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. don't waste the money and go to college just to party. You better get yourself a damn good education, especially if your parents are paying for it. You better appreciate that shit, son. Although, well, no, people 
people that uh, borrow money, though, actually uh, have a, a smaller chance of dropping out. Just, you know, since yeah, we're it's on the... Right? It, it, exactly. Like, you know, you're you're borrowing the money. You're going to have to pay it back. Like, you know, it's it's all about you. It's um, But I mean, drop, especially at liberal arts colleges, dropout rates are higher than the national average. And I, mean, I think, just, I think liberal arts is kind of like, I don't know what I want to do major yeah. a lot of the time. Although traditionally liberal arts was like the, the perfect balance of, uh, I guess, arithmetic and language studies. It's yeah. like... Yeah, it was to create well-balanced people that could handle, that could, you know, that could morph to whatever they needed to do, that could mm. handle anything. I mean... The thing is, what did I gain in college? I mean, I did learn a lot. I mean, don't mm. get me wrong. I, I took a... I mean, and the great thing about Hampshire was uh, you could sort of design your own academic experience. And it was in this five-college five consortium uh, sort of around Amherst in, in Northampton in Western Massachusetts where you have the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Falsely claimed to be where uh, the Scooby-Doo characters came from. From uh, that, you know, each one is the archetype of a character. Well, let's get back to that after I. Okay, so there's, yeah. there's UMass, there's Hampshire, there's Smith, which is an all women's school in Northampton. There's Mount Holyoke, another all women's school, which is in Southampton, <laughs> and, or was it was it South? Yeah, Southampton. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. then there's also um, Amherst College, of course, in Amherst, which is is more sort of akin to Ivy League schools, though not an Ivy League school itself. Sort mm-hmm. of has that preppy elitist sort of air to it. And what were you saying about Scooby Doo? Well, uh, the, the story goes, it's not not true, I'm sorry to say, uh, but the story goes is that the archetype of each college was uh, was the um, the sort of the creative uh, drive for each of these characters. So, for example, um, you had a Hampshire College, a liberal arts college, a lot of stoners, and uh, this was your shaggy. Uh, you know, stoners like to eat, all that jazz. You had uh, Amherst College. Scoop. <laughs> yeah. We had Amherst College, which uh, you know, it's very preppy, prep school, uh, uh, you know, well-to-do, a lot of networking. Uh, that's that's your Fred. Yeah, not, not terribly interesting, but necessary. I guess the leader of the group, I don't Handsome know. Handsome guy, nice jawline. Yeah, yeah, yeah nothing wrong yeah. with him. Ambiguously gay, I guess, I don't know. No, no, I took great classes at Amherst, and there's yeah. some great people at Amherst College. But, yeah. Uh, and then uh, continuing, uh, Mount Holyoke basically uh, was a modern uh, finishing school, you know, for women to become women. Like, it's, you know, nothing... That or, or to find husbands at Amherst. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's that's your Daphne, uh, you know. Not... In fact, watch the movie Animal House. You'll find a lot of parallels when these dudes are driving up to that women's school, you know, to pick them up. And mm. then they go to that, that black... Like jazz club or whatever, then they they get their dates stolen. That, that kind of thing, you know. That, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, and then uh, continuing, uh, Smith, uh, also known, you know, sometimes known as Slugs. That's uh, Smith, lesbian until graduation. That's you're ambiguously sexual, uh, very intelligent though. Um, with all women school, that's your Thelma. I've heard like maybe at least half of them were lesbians. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's at true point, or not. Yeah. Maybe that's true, but it's a pretty you know lesbian oriented. School. Mm, it's very, it's very safe and uh, nice uh, if you're if you're L- LGBT and transgendered and, mm. and all that, all that stuff. Yeah, and very, and then, very good environment for that sort of thing. And then uh, there was one school. Uh, they they liked hanging out with the Hampshire guys. Uh, they they weren't as articulate as the other schools, and uh, the, you know they were they also were big fans of eating. Um, that is uh, the school I went to for a year, uh, the University of Massachusetts or UMass uh, for short. And uh, what do we do with colleges? 
<laughs> the Scooby yeah. Doo of yeah colleges, and so that's why we get along together because just makes sense, really. And uh, I, basically, being at Hampshire, you have this this sort of system where you're allowed to take classes at all of those schools, which is great. I mean, I took classes at Mount Holyoke. I took classes at Smith. I took classes at every one of those schools. I took Chinese at Mount Holyoke. I took Chinese at Smith. I took history classes at Amherst. I took political classes at UMass. I took many, and it, it was fucking wonderful. I mean, it was it was a lot of academic opportunity. Uh, not to say that it was the best social environment. I found um, this sort of area to be very, very judgmental and sort of closed-minded, maybe even borderline fascist mm. uh, in a lot of its mm. sort of ideas. And uh, very backwards, considering that these people probably think of themselves as being very open. Mm. And maybe they consider themselves being very open as opposed to maybe American conservatism, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're open to new ideas. They're open yeah. to a lot of ideology that mm. they're already comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that, that was the same. Uh, I actually left UMass uh, after one year, but uh, and then I went to a liberal arts school uh, in Asheville, North Carolina, Warren Wilson College. Uh, more on that later. But um, that was a very, uh, very similar issue that we had. Mm. Uh, you know, people considering themselves open, not actually being open um, to, to new ideas, yeah. to different ideas ideas than their own. Um, in fact, back, I mean, we have to get back to race. In fact, there was, there was um, in, in 2008, 2008 was the year I graduated, the yeah. spring of 2008, there was a big sort of racial, uh, some some kind of controversy that went on. And, mm. and you know, I'm, I'm actually not entirely clear what, what happened, but there was mm. a lot of mm. uh, students of color, mostly black, uh, who were complaining that a lot of the administrative uh, workers were discriminating against them, that they're being rude in the offices and so on. And, and, and I, okay, I wasn't there with them, so side by side during these experiences. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know what they went through, but I just sort of developed some ideas because I also dealt with these same administrators. Mm-hmm. I was also treated rudely, you know, a lot of disrespect, a lot of impatience, when, and I felt like these people were just assholes. When has a bureaucracy, yeah. though, ever been polite? When have people in Massachusetts ever been polite? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> get, get at the core of the issue here. <laughs> yeah, they call them assholes yeah. for a reason. Yeah. With all due respect to you assholes out there, um, but uh, do stereotypes exist for a reason? You tell yeah. me. Oh, what do you think? Well, I mean, in New England, like uh, there's sort of the uh, New England versus the you know the South or the Northeast versus the the Southeast. Uh, you know, in the in New England Northeast, they love you or sorry, they hate you until you give them a reason to love you, and then in the South, they love you until you uh, give them a reason to hate you. Or unless you're black. Or yeah, well, actually, I mean, the South is far more uh, metropolitan and I think open to uh, to black people. Than uh, a lot of people give them credit for. So that was my little northern elitist. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it got me, Mike. Yeah. Well, I mean, there certainly is uh, issues with racism uh, in the South, and you know, they're like the Southern strategy, for example, that Nixon employed, like the war on drugs, is specifically uh, a race war, um, basically to to hypercharge white voters uh, against you know black issues, against black population. It's and they got some sort of weird, some weird sexual fetishes going. 
going on down there in the south. Have you heard about that stuff? <laughs> I have not. I would All like right, to. So know. If you've ever looked at pornography, <laughs> which, which if you're listening to this on the internet, uh, we assume you have. <laughs> okay, check out a website called xvideos.com. Maybe ujiz.com. They're all really the same. They're, they're, they're Composite. YouTube, the YouTube's of porno. And if you go to the interracial section, you're going to find a lot of black and white action, which means black male, white woman. You're going to find a lot of this cuckolding shit. It's sort of like a white dude mm. who, who, who who has a slutty wife who likes to fuck black guys. Yeah. And, and he gets off on it. And he, maybe and he likes to watch. Yeah, he likes yeah. to watch. Yeah. Maybe he's jerking off or he gets degraded. She's all like, oh, his cock is so much bigger than yours. Yeah. And some shit like that. And he's all like, oh, yeah, honey. Yeah. And then, yeah, then, <laughs> yeah, and then, um, and then um, <laughs> if, you, if you go to uh, uh, a media source that I really love is, is Vice. Uh, I guess mm. it's like Vice mm. Magazine. They have a mm. great website and a great video section. Yeah. Check out the Vice Guide to Sex. There's an episode called Mandingo. Uh, and it's about yeah. a lot of the the sort of the, mm-hmm. this fetishization of 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 black guys dominating white women, mm-hmm. and uh, I think a lot of it goes back. I think there was a there's a book called Mandingo, and there's there's like a movie made in like the seventies or something. Yeah, I saw or read it. Yeah, but um, a lot of these guys maybe it, it comes to this this sort of power thing, and I think you find this in S and M as well, where there's men of power, mm-hmm. and they spend their whole their whole routine being in power, dominating other people. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to doors shut in the bedroom, maybe. Maybe they want to be dominated. Yeah. And you find an S&M that they want, you know, a woman to dominate them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe even fuck them in the ass with, like, a strap-on dildo, whatever. Yeah, well, there's another sure. side of it where a guy, you know, maybe plantation owner type, uh, wants to see his wife get fucked by his slaves or something like that. You know, they see these big, strong slaves working <laughs> in the field, you know. We've had these sort of eugenics uh, of slave breeding, you know, these guys who we bred them to be real strong. And then, <laughs> shit, man, I can't get it up anymore. But I bet my wife still wants to fuck. So they're going to get these, like, <laughs> and, and, and you should watch this documentary. It's fucking sick. Mm. And it's, it's just kind of weird that, like, the kind of, the people, I mean, of course, this is also, this is just my opinion. Maybe I'm being discrimin- discriminatory against these these types who, who like to see <laughs> their wives get fucked by other men. I think that's yeah. perfectly, you know, if, if all partners are happy, if all partners are Yeah, I guess if, yeah, freedom of choice. It's rooted, I think it's partially rooted in, in some kind of self-loathing mm. as well. And maybe not the healthiest mentality, but to each his own. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this yeah. documentary, it's really, it's really kind of funny. I, I suggest you watch it, and it's 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 actually kind of hilarious, especially if you if you pay attention to like the DJ at this party. The guy's fuck, the guy's fucked up on all kinds of drugs, and he's like, you know what I like to do? I like to make the women hot. And then he starts doing his like little Michael Jackson dance, and then then the chicks start fucking black dudes in, in front of their white husbands. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think we're and, really and tackling we can, issues. We can <laughs> like connect really to race in China. Well, this is, but no, let's go back, let's okay, go back yeah. to why. Okay, okay so okay, we have this, okay, this black okay. and white cuckolding. Is there such a thing as white on Asian cuckolding? I find that I, I, I've encountered a lot of dudes with inferiority complexes in China. Guys who feel threatened. Emasculated. Yeah, men, sort of yeah. guys who feel yeah. threatened by Western men. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically handsome white men. Yeah. And, um, well, I, think, I mean, part of it is... Uh, 
uh, Chinese women, uh, especially in like second, third, fourth tier cities, are are interested uh, sexually in Western men. Like, there's a, you know, I'm I'm no Casanova uh, at all. Like, let me make that clear. But I I generally have better luck, uh, you know, or it's easier to to talk uh, to Chinese women in that way uh, than it is for me, say, in the U.S. or you know, like it's there's a sort of a willingness because I'm white. Like, it's all of a sudden like. I've got a couple more uh, chips on my table uh, just because I'm a Western guy. Like that's yeah, because you know you're you're, you're a little exotic. Yeah, you're exotic. Yeah, and also well, I think part a large part of it because black people are exotic too. But I don't think you know, I mean we talked about it earlier. They're because they're dirty. I think uh, white by people, a lot of people, not everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Thank you for uh, that. Um, but like uh, I think part of it is you know the the white is the sort of the ideal for you know for the Chinese. Uh, a lot of Chinese consider that the beautiful. Um, but the other thing, I think, is it also projects status, like, instantly, because the West is seen as, you know, very well-off, well-to-do, and as a Westerner in China, you sort of have to get to a certain threshold, like, you know, the, I mean, the plane ticket, the visas, like, it, you know, there's a certain amount of money necessary that puts you, uh, you know, in the, the middle class, uh, I guess, in America, but you're kind of upper middle class in China, like, yeah. you know, you're not, you're, you're not top tier, you know, like, you're not... You're, you're not going to And again, this yeah. is this is not what everybody. This is what yeah. a lot of people here think. Yeah. A lot of people actually yeah. think uh, the foreigners in China are sort of no good. They're like yeah, people who couldn't true. people that's who true. couldn't hack it in their home country, so they come to China to go dominate. You know, the the, the sort of more passive mm-hmm. Chinese people yeah. or something like that. And recently, there's been a lot of uh, bad uh, bad press, I guess, for Westerners in China. Um, there was the the British uh, the British. I want to say gentleman, uh, ironically. Uh, who was filmed raping uh, a girl? A true gentleman. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah a good, a good British. Yeah, um, it's actually, I guess, uh, apparently for British people, hard to get visas because of this incident. Yeah, he did it in public, like yeah, in a bar street. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this guy out of his mind. Yeah, you know, trying to trying to rape a woman. And not just try to rape, try to rape women in public too. I mean, I mean, I I would kind of I think he got his ass beat too. Yeah, oh yeah, and he's yeah. in prison for a long time, and, and he got his ass beat. Yeah, although it is quite like uh, if you watch the video, like the editing's a little bit weird. So I don't, you know, it's one of those things that I'm pretty sure he's a prick and deserves like you know go to prison. But at the same time, I'm not entirely certain. Speaking you know? of speaking of um, raping Chinese women, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a segue. Um, <laughs> okay, I knew. Dude, Nanchang, uh, Middle Eastern dude, guy from Jordan. I'm not going to say his name. Let's just say his name is Muhammad. Actually, that is his name. But, <laughs> but, I mean, there's so many. It's not like the most common name in the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say his, his last name, Muhammad bin something. And um, he was all talking to my a good friend of mine. He's all like, hey, man, you know what I like to do? I like to bring Chinese when when I'm at the club. Mm-hmm. We're at the we're out partying at the club, and this is this is the kind of thing we do in Nanjing. We go to the club, we get mm-hmm. a table, we pop some bottles. You listen to uh, Country Road, but like the uh, the club remix, the, not just the club <laughs> remix. It's <laughs> like the really cheesy sort yeah. of '90s <laughs> sounding. It's great, yeah. Anyway, and no dance floor because they're, they're, they're you know they're packing tables 
Mm-hmm. As, as much as they can. They mm-hmm. they want as many people buying bottles at tables as possible. There's no room for a dance floor. Yeah. Sorry, you're going to have your own personal table. Plus, people don't want to really meet new people. They're going there. And they don't want to dance. Yeah. A but, lot of girls, like, they don't go to clubs independently to meet yeah. guys. They go because they're, you know, they're, they're bros, they're men, want to go. And you see them there just on their cell phones all night. Looking bored as yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah it's... it's and yeah. that's the thing is, I think a lot of, we were talking about status and, sh- and showing off. Mm. Were we talking about that? I think we were. I think we talked a little well, bit about it. Even if we yeah. didn't, a lot of people yeah. like to sort of show off in public. That's, and, yeah. And, and that's I a think very important uh, Chinese feature. Popping bottles at the club is one way to show off your money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it ain't cheap. Yeah, But yeah, the thing is, the alcohol's not real. You're gonna buy a yeah. bottle of Jack Daniels. It's not. It's gonna be called Jack Denny, not well, Jack Daniels. Yeah, I got a bottle of Jack Denny. Although right. in Shanghai uh, or first tier cities, um, it's more important to get the real stuff. Like I, I think, uh, I mean, not I a see, bar eighty eight. Okay, okay uh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, there are some bars that are still like that. But like you know, I've gotten bottles of like Chivas Regal. You know, like I've gotten legit stuff because. Yeah, I think are you sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I'm almost positive. Like you know, I, 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 they're pretty good at faking things here. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. They, I guess they are, but you know, at the same time, uh, China, like as far as uh, luxury goods go, they really want real stuff, which is why a lot of their luxury good purchases happen in like Europe or in America, like they because they don't trust Chinese. Yeah, I've actually heard a lot of people say, "Hey, you're going back to America? Why don't you get me a bottle of whiskey?" Yeah, you know, because I don't trust the shit made in my country. Yeah, exactly. Like because there's fake fake alcohol. There's yeah, it's you know yeah. There's a lot of room for fakes here. To say the faking industry, the perpetrating industry is. Impressive. In China, it's yeah. impressive. But it's... back to the topic of Muhammad. Bottles, he's all like, I like to bring girls into the bathroom and fuck them. And that's a good <laughs> like, well, let's say a half hour later, <laughs> Muhammad is cited dragging a woman against her will into the men's room. And she's screaming and trying to get away. And he's like, come on, come on. And he's like pulling her in there. The guy's going to, he's about to rape a girl in the bathroom. And, and she gets away, fortunately. And, and, you know, the people around watching, usually, I mean, when, when things go down here, a lot of times people don't do anything about it. They mm. mind their own business. Mm. But, hey, it's, this it's is very... a foreigner treading mm. on a Chinese woman. This is not pretty, man. We're yeah. not going to stand for that shit. Men here, a lot of them have this sort of, um, I don't think that they necessarily think that they themselves are inferior, but there's a stigma that, that sort of foreigners come here to dominate Chinese. Uh-huh. So when they see mm-hmm. something like that, that really strikes a nerve. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, they're going to destroy this guy. Well, I mean, he didn't get destroyed, but, but, um, <laughs> he didn't get laid either. You know? uh, that's, uh, that's good news. This guy is also like the biggest either. mooch I've ever met. Uh. But, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you wonder why a lot of Chinese people hate foreigners because we get mm. dickheads coming here trying to rape chicks in the in in, in the club bathroom. And yeah, who, well, who does that? Well, I, I think uh, one important thing to know, like uh, you know, we come uh, from the so-called land of the free, but uh, generally um, there's more feeling of freedom. Uh, I, I feel in China or you know in uh, in m- much of the rest of the world as you know, like there, there's certainly aspects where you know life is more regulated, like, dealing with the bureaucracy of China, it's, mm. you know, it's, I mean, it's the world's oldest bureaucracy, you have to, you know, like, dealing with the passport, or you always have to get things, um... You gotta get that stamp. Yeah, you gotta get the stamps, you gotta get the stickers, you gotta get the registration, you go to this office, that office, but at the same time, 
Like, once you deal with the bureaucracy, like, the, you know, the Chinese, like, it's been called a police state. Where are the police? Like, you know, there's there's far fewer police than, say, in the U.S., you know, or uh, there's far fewer rules. There's far fewer laws. I, like, wouldn't, I wouldn't say the police are a very hardworking type in China. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. they're pretty relaxed yeah. dudes. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, it, exactly. Like, it's, it's just you... It's a place where, you know, as, as a foreigner, you can come here, and because you're not constrained by social norms or cultural norms, yeah. which are very extensive, there's a lot of rules uh, in China that are not, uh, not like laws. They're not, you know, uh, um, explicit rules, but they're, they're implicit to your culture. And so as a Westerner without that, or as a foreigner without those rules, it feels very free. Land of the free, baby. Yeah. It's... But hey, you better not come here. You're going to ruin it for the rest of us, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 don't take this, yeah, don't, don't take this. We're not advertising, like, you know? <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's just, in our experience, oh, there, yeah. uh, in our experience, it just, it feels a little bit more free here. Like, it's, you know, it, and if, if we had to follow the cultural rules, and actually, this brings us to a good topic of uh, the, the diaspora, the Chinese diaspora coming back to China. So Chinese uh, Americans or Chinese Canadians, mm. um, you know, Ch- Chinese that have lived elsewhere, like third, fourth, fifth generation Chinese, when they come back, they find themselves uh, constrained by these rules, even though, like, but culturally, that's just kind of confusing. That's we, different. And, yeah. and let's say they're American. We call them yeah. ABCs, American-born yeah. Chinese. But you also get a lot of Canadian-born Chinese and, yeah. and, and whatever-born Chinese. Mm. Uh, these people grew up in whatever respective country they're from. Uh, sure, they have a Chinese family. Maybe they spoke Chinese of their household. Not necessarily Mandarin Chinese, standard Chinese. They maybe spoke a dialect of some sort. Mm. And they come to China. They're not so familiar with the local culture because... You could look at Chinese culture differently. You could look at Taiwan. You could look at the People's mm-hmm. Republic of China. The culture is going to be a little yeah. different. And well, yeah. and like every like the family structure is very like specific. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of intricacies to China. It's a very complex culture. Like you know, like like for example, uh, uh, there's a hierarchy in the family where like a uh, parent-in-laws, like the mother-in-laws, are supposed to be closer to the children than the father. You know, uh, like the father-in-law or the uh, like. There's a weird sort of. I mean, it's weird to to me just because I don't. No, yeah, there's a very sort of standard thing where yeah. where it's it's expected for the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law to have a bad relationship. You know? that's, that's pretty standard of worldwide, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. oh that part, but like just the you know who is supposed to be closer to the child, like the the grandparents on the mother's side versus mm. the father's side, you know, and and like how much time you're supposed to spend with them. Like, the other thing about that in the language itself, there's there's a name for every single family member: older brother, younger brother. There's a different name for that. Uh, cousin on your mother's side. That is a younger brother of hers, a.k.a. your uncle. And uh, depending on, you know, which family member, there's going to be a different name for each role. Mm-hmm. Um, what were we just talking about? Oh, we the race? Yeah, well, oh, yeah, ABCs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, ABCs yeah. and CBCs. Like, uh, Jeremy Lin, a uh, great example. Like, he's, uh, I believe, third generation America. In China, he is seen as Chinese. I think he's second from, uh, oh, I, think second he's, I think his parents from uh, okay. uh, Taiwan. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, sorry. But anyways, yeah, yeah. Go on. No, no, well, he's just, he, in China, like, you know, when Lin Sanity happens, like, you know, everyone's just pretty happy. It's like, this guy, he's uh, came out of nowhere. In China, though, it's like, look, the Chinese are great, you know? Like, they yeah. saw it as, like, the, the China, like, even though culturally he's, he doesn't consider himself Chinese. He's not playing for the, the, the Chinese Olympic yeah. or Chinese national team. But, like, you know, the, 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 the way that the Chinese see it is, you know, like, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a, a race 
thing in this respect. We're talking about like ethnocentric thing. pride is what we're talking about here. Yeah. yeah. Like people are saying, oh, he's Chinese. Yeah. He's Chinese. You know, and like, you know, they're, they're going to be proud of that. But then I, I sort of, I was teaching when this all happened and my students ages ranging from 18 to 21 and these, a lot of them are like asking me, hey, teacher, um, would Jeremy Lin play for the Chinese national team in the Olympics? No. no, he's no, American. He's, he's not yeah. Chinese. He's American. Yeah. Why is he not Chinese? It was like, because he was born and raised in America. He's an American citizen. Yeah. But, but, yeah, but. Is he, is he a Chinese? <laughs> I'm like, well, he doesn't see himself that way. Maybe yeah. you see him that way, but yeah. he doesn't see himself that way. It's well, cultural, I, buddy. It is cultural. And, and I think, uh, to further this point, uh, the Chinese, like, when they ask, you know, where you're from, or, you know, uh, they're, they're not asking, like, where you live immediately, where you were born. They're asking where your people are from. So, like, for example, like it, it's you know I mean the, the lines kind of blur after a couple generations but like you know if they were to ask me where I'm from America suffices sort of but like you know they would also it wouldn't be it wouldn't be wrong for me to answer like Romania or France, like you know that's Megua, Megua Tanda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it's you know they, like uh, no one is from the place that they're raised and born. They're from the place where their family came from. You know, like mm. where where they their roots are. Like you know, a, there's a couple generations, if you will, of where you're from. Before, like, and so, the, but the thing is, a lot of Chinese people don't really know about that, and and I've heard people say. Well, aren't most Americans black? I'm like, no. And where did you get that idea? <laughs> where, yeah. Well, well I watched the NBA. I mean, in fact, the NBA uh, is, yeah. is the most popular okay. sports association in China, the National Basketball Association of America. And mm, is, Canada, yeah, yeah. is Canada part of that? Uh, I don't think Canada, Canada, I don't think Canada has a team. Well, anyways, yeah, I mean, yeah. NBA is huge in yeah. China, and, oh, yeah. and oh, the, the, there's a lot of black NBA players for mm-hmm. some reason. Yeah, and um, oh, yeah, a lot of people, of reasons. a lot of people uh, have sort of associated with American being black because their their sort of exposure to America is through the NBA. Mm-hmm. But then again, a lot of people think most Americans are all white. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it, uh, yeah. It's definitely like the, the American uh, melting pot, if you will. Uh, it, it's definitely something that is not. It's like we, uh, you know, we have movies, we have music, we have media to try to, you know, to show some aspects of this. It's not perfect, obviously, but I think it's, it's a kind of a difficult uh, concept to grasp. Like a multi, a multicultural society. It's not, it's not something, you know. Even though the Chinese have their uh, fifty-six different ethnic groups, uh, it's not something that they just instantly like get because it's. I mean, it's an experiment. The American experience, like, you know, it's something I'm generally proud of, even though we fail in a lot of ways, but it's uh, it's definitely something that's a... It's a little bit different in the world. And back to American-born Chinese or Canadian-born Chinese. Yeah, thank you. Um, A lot of the time, in my experience of Americans in China, Mm -hmm. American-born Chinese have had the most trouble adapting Mm. to this place. Yeah, please. Which seems very ironic. You think... Oh, I'm returning to my culture. Mm. Oh, it's so great. But it's bullshit. More, yeah, but yeah. it's more than just like you know. Oh, you're Ch- you should be able to speak Chinese. It's more than just that, right? Well, I, I think it's... I think the local people have higher expectations of mm-hmm. ABCs that come over here. They they think they're gonna re- they think they're gonna understand the local culture automatically, and uh, p- 
people don't often think that maybe the communist legacy in China has had a bit of an influence on the culture here, and that it's going to be different from Taiwan. It's going to be different from Chinese in Malaysia or Singapore. How could wait? Who, who's thinking that the, the communist doesn't have like you know or the the, I, the legacy is there? Like, I don't know specifically. I'm not going to name names, I, but I, like yeah, I just I think a lot of people don't really consider that aspect. Uh huh. Okay. 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 Sorry. Sorry to jump in there. But I, I think there are cultural divisions between Chinese from Taiwan, Hong Kong, mm. Malaysia, Singapore, uh, yeah. wherever. Yeah, you know? definitely. It's... And I find a lot of the I've met quite a few Asian Asian Americans who've come or Chinese Americans who've come over to China and they've left real quick. Because mm. they just did not like it here. They didn't get the same respect that a lot of white people got. Here you mean yeah. there. Uh, I mean, in in China. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. They didn't get to say, oh, yeah, such yeah. In, in China, yeah, they come yeah. over here and they leave. And, yeah, and often I've been, you know, they come over here. Off, like, let's say teaching jobs. Uh, Ch- a lot of Chinese Americans coming over here to teach. They're yeah. given they're given lower salaries a lot of the time mm. than white people, mm. and they're often given less respect because. They're not white, and this is a racist issue. I got to say. I mean, this is. I mean, yeah. There's no. The, what are they? Yeah. What are they looking for in a, in, in a foreign English teacher? Ideally, um, white. Ideally, like that. Yeah, I mean, but shouldn't no, shouldn't you want authenticity of language mm-hmm. and culture? And, that makes the most sense. Yeah, I mean, that's that seems you know the most logical thing you'd want. So then, but they're going a lot of the times. These universities are going for aesthetic appeal. Mm, you know? But yeah, and like what 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 are the causes? Why why jump straight to like aesthetic appeal? Like why is that so important? It's all about face. It's. Is it, I mean, is it all about face? Is it just, you know, yeah. like, hey, look at this. You know, we've got a white teacher. We've yeah. got white teachers. Hey, and, and see, look at these schools. These schools are, are run by the government. These schools are not necessarily the most efficient running, you know, institutions in the world, in China for that matter. And uh, it's a pretty lazy environment uh, when you're not at the top tier schools. And um, you're going to want to attract more students. You're going to pack students in classrooms. You know, if you want to have an effective English class, in my opinion, you're going to have no more than 10 students. Yeah, that's um, in my experience. In my opinion, yeah, yeah. yeah no more than 10 students would be would be great. Mm-hmm. I was teaching classes 35 to 50 students, and and it was not effective. Yeah, that does not sound And good, yeah. it seems more like they want this sort of white performing monkey guy or girl. A, to- a token yeah. white dude. Yeah, yeah. If you they will, they, yeah. they want this yeah. because they yeah. want to take a few pictures. Mm-hmm. They want to get some little video of the class. And then, well, yeah. and, and I think Chinese in general are very into, uh, like, the sort of the stats, if you will. Or it's just like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I studied English, you know, with a white guy. Like, you know, they're just, yeah. they're, they're very into, uh, like, for example, uh, something I learned recently is titles. Like the uh, the average company, like uh, every one and a half years, uh, you have to give like the the Chinese person an improved title yeah. if you want them to be like an, a consistent employee. Um, so like you know you'll have like uh, in a department that in the West would have like three different like levels or titles, uh, a department that has nine different titles here just because it's like you know the like oh look like you know now you're a marketing director or now you're you know like this like. Even though you're technically not, it's just that it's all about the, the the face, it's the stats, it's the checklist. It's it's very much yeah. I think it's a very much a checklist oriented. And that, and they want them to be handsome or beautiful. You know, like <laughs> you know, it's all you know. A lot of it's about looks. You know, and mm-hmm. and you know, get people like, oh, we love you. You are so handsome. You know, it's like, well, I, I would never, hope you you would love my intellect a little more. They never say that you, about you, me. You, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, I think they love you for your humor. You know? like, <laughs> they do. They yeah. do. Yeah. And your Thank gregariousness you. and, yeah. and such. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and I'm not saying I'm like just a handsome guy, but maybe like 
there's not enough exposure of, of white guys in China. Maybe maybe it gives me a leg up or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm a balding guy. I got I got dark circles under my eyes and shit. You know, I don't have the best. I'm pretty greasy. You know, I'm, I'm like the best looking guy out there. Right you know, so like so, this is really these are the issue. Yeah, you know I mean? But okay, my my wife though, my wife is hot as fuck. So, I mean, yeah, so, you know, they they got a good deal with her. Um, so, but I think these things are deemed more important than actual content or value. Uh, yeah. You know, it's all face value shit. You know, it's all surface stuff. And maybe that's more important in the Chinese educational system so far. I, I mean, yeah, I think, like, that's a very consistent uh, feature that I've seen. Like, you know, if you're, if you're apartment hunting, you know, like, you'll notice that they have, like, they have the sort of the, the high-end things, like, you know, the televisions or the, the air conditioning, like, things, you know, that, that don't really make a great place. But it's just, like, you know, these important little details, you know, or these important, like, high-end luxury items just to make you feel like, oh, ooh, they've got they've got two televisions in this place, like, you know, even though, what do you need? Like, you know, it's, it's, oh, yeah. iPhone 5. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, they love, uh, yeah. they love. iPhone 4S. <laughs> yeah. yeah. iPad. The love Steve of jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the love of Steve Jobs. It's just, it almost, it hurts me in a number of ways. Just because, like, I always, you know, the, the comparison I get, the natural comparison is Steve Jobs versus Bill Gates. As, as people. Because they love Steve Jobs. Not you just mean, Apple. Do you, you mean Beer Gets? Beer gets. That's that's what a lot of people pronounce Bill, Bill Gates' name. Like, oh, oh, Beer gets. Yeah, <laughs> I did not know that. No, hey, you know Beer gets. But the but the comparison of them as people, like you know, not just the the technology firms they lead uh, or like you know the items they produce, but people love you know they talk about his uh, commencement speech at the college or whatever. Uh, um, yeah, they, they talk about, but like uh, as people, generally the you know. They, they love Steve Jobs here, but the thing is, as a as a person, which is an important distinction, because the thing is, as a person, you know, Steve Jobs is seen as a liberator. Uh, uh, Bill Gates has always gotten a, a very bad rap. Um, you know, he's seen as like sort of this demon, uh, overcharging for software, uh, just you know, trying to control what people are doing. Even though uh, Apple is a lot more inhibitive as a software, um, you know, like iTunes not letting you share your music, or uh, as, as opposed to Microsoft. And the other thing is the uh, the Bill and Melinda Foundation. It's a charitable organization, like. One of the largest charities in the world, tackling all sorts of social issues, even battling, like, the United States, well, not battling the United States government, but sort of challenging their views on uh, contraception and on, like, abortion rights for women in, in the third world. Um, you know, like they, they're ballsy and they're, you know, and they're trying to change the world in a positive way. While Bill Gates, total businessman, you know, he, he basically, not Bill Gates, sorry, Bill Gates was, you know, the, uh, he's, Steve he's Jobs. He's a philanthropist. Yeah, 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 Bill Gates is a huge, this is Steve Jobs, he did nothing political, he did n- almost no philanthropy, uh, no, no, at least no notable philanthropy, um, he, he was like very early to move his operation to China just to save money, like it's, he, you know, he played a, a, a part in a lot of Chinese people committing suicide. Yeah, I, I, yeah. And, played a role. And, not and, necessarily 
responsible. And there's a huge issue with uh, uh, Foxconn. Uh, yeah. the- Foxconn is the, is the company that, that manufactures the, the parts of Apple products. Mm-hmm. And this is mainly done in Guangdong province of yeah. China, the southern province of China. And right now there's about a million factory workers, if my numbers are right. Um, and in the next 10 years, it's projected that uh, the, the cost of Chinese uh, employment is going to be higher. So there's a million factory workers now. In the next 10 years, that's going to be half a million workers because a lot of jobs are going to be outsourced to like Vietnam, or, I think it's or automated. automated or automated. Yeah, uh, and uh, and so basically, it's this, this big disruptive presence that's you know that's employing a lot of people now, which is good for China, I think. Uh, and then it'll just take it away. Right. It'll just take it away for you know factories. Like it just there's nothing. There's no there's no morality. It's you know it's, Work, workers here are so flexible. Yeah. You know, AKA they 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 work. Uh, Fourteen-hour days without complaints, and they eat shit food that the factory provides them. And not only that, not only that, they they have to eat the food in the factory because it's taken out of their paycheck. They can't really eat uh, food outside without spending more money because the food provided by the actual employer is taken out automatically. So they're sort of forced into eating the food provided, which is maybe not very good. Yeah, there's there's, there's, there's sort of a lot of parallels with slavery. Yeah, it's, you know? it's very it's uh, you know not to mention. I mean, you can always quit, but or you could just jump off, you know, the, the roof. But mm, they put up yeah. nets for that sort of thing. <laughs> I, I did not know about the nets. Yeah, they put up like these nets in the Foxconn dormitories because, okay, let's say factory workers in China they often live in dorms uh, within mm. the factory complex, and this is, actually has a lot of benefits. Let's say you're in America and you're living in Missouri, but you want to get a job. Uh, let's say you want to get a job in Maryland or something. Okay. But you have to maybe you have to buy a new place or you have to rent a place. place. Or your your employer your Uh, employer could just provide dormitory living where you can go and live in that dormitory, send money home with your wife and kid or your or your or your husband and kid. And because and because the company is you know, has this dormitory space in bulk, uh, they they get a reduced price, which means, you know, not all of the savings, but a lot of the savings are passed on to you. It's not it's not a horrible uh, idea and it's not. It's not necessarily a bad thing that they yeah. did. But, but, but <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of restrictions that are put on the people living in those dormitories mm. uh, that that aren't necessarily essential yeah. uh, for them to be good workers. Mm. You know, like, yeah. well, I, well, I mean, and this, I think we can draw some comparisons to uh, to Ford. You know, when he was doing the the Model T, like yeah. the original. Um, but this is an important thing to note. Ford paid uh, its factory workers about twice as well as any of the other uh, car companies at the time. But at the same time, you weren't allowed to drink on weekends. Like, you weren't allowed... Like, there was a lot of restrictive rules. But... It's, you know, it was one company, and it was paying much better than the other companies. Like, it's, so it's one and of those And then their things. workers looked like zombies or something? Was that the controversy? They're like, oh, no-eyed zombies? I'm not sure. I, I, I never heard of that, that controversy, that they looked like zombies. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you're paying, like, as far as the market goes, you're paying better than anyone else. Mm. And so you're putting some restrictions. Like, it's sort of like, yeah, okay, I can either work at Ford, get paid better, and have to put up with BS, yeah. or I can work, you know, uh, a Chrysler or a, or GM, not get paid as well, but uh, at the same time, I, I have more freedom. And there's I a guess. lot of parallels to that working. Um, at, okay, let's see. Yeah. Okay, we got to talk about this first. Yeah, yeah. If we're going to talk about okay, workers yeah. uh, who go to factories are often from the countryside, mm-hmm. and in China, you have a, a system of household registration. They call it Huko, which uh, will be your localized registration if you work. 
if you're from this town, mm-hmm. you can you can easily live in this town, get a job in this town, send your children to school in that town. If you don't have a registration in a city, maybe you can't really get a good job there. But when it comes to factory jobs, they allow a lot of these sort of uh, migrant workers to go to these factories, live in those dormitories, get paid, send money back home to their countryside village, and uh, they can return home during Chinese New Year or, or Mid-Autumn Festival or whatever. And and um, mm. a, a lot of these people, um, you know, they, they could just quit and go home to the countryside. Uh, they could sort of live there. Mm-hmm. They could farm in the summer, get the harvest going. In the, them, dude, in yeah. the, and in the wintertime, there may be not be much to do. So in well, the winter... In the, in the south, uh, uh, from, in the south, there's much more rice, rice farms, uh, rice paddy plantations. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more to do. Um, I mean, also the temperature's warmer all year round. Yeah, more yeah. Sun. But not just that, just uh, the, with rice farms, uh, the more intensive you labor it, the more you're going to get out. And so there's benefits. Like uh, a Chinese proverb, you know, for the southern farmer is, uh, you know, a person that will wake up, uh, you know, or work from dusk till dawn every Every day mm. it will make their family rich or something. Well, a uh, wheat farm, there's not much to do in the winter. And yeah, that's so, what, yeah. yeah so, during the winter, maybe they go work at a factory. Maybe they go build a railroad somewhere. Yeah. Maybe they go to Tibet and build a little railroad or something like that. Yeah. And it's hard work, but they make some good buddies. You know, they're working. They make some good money. It's some pretty decent money, and they're, yeah. and they're working. You know, maybe maybe the safety condition is not very good. You know? no, yeah, that's yeah. That is but issue, you know, yeah. this is this is the real world. But then, this is developing world. Everything can't be so cushy, wushy. You know, everything's yeah. so safe in America. Yeah. You know, we're gonna have labor laws and all. It doesn't work that way here yet. Yeah, you don't have your yeah. OSHA or your yeah. you know. Although, I mean, OSHA. I, I've definitely worked in jobs in America where things are just like that's. That would not pass an inspection, like a safety inspection by OSHA. But at the same time, like, yeah, there's there's a one of the things I remember an OSHA representative at my school. I went to a work college, so like, you know, we had to actually deal with these issues. Um, They're saying, you know, there's a myth about safety that you know being safe takes more time than uh, than not being safe. You know, but like when you count like you know the the, the amount of hospital time and blah blah blah, yeah. it's it's not true. And at the same time, it's like no. I, I, in my experience, it's definitely true. Like being safe takes time, and like you know, it's it, it, and time is money. Like you know, it takes time. It takes more money. Like you have to buy different equipment. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of like say roofing, for example, putting shingles on roofs. Um, if you have to like wear the harnesses, you know, tie it up to the core, that's time. You have to have the harnesses. You have to have the wires, and then not only that, they're almost a safety hazard because there's another like another cord on the roof that gets in your way. It's like more more shit that's like more debris to watch out for so you know I, I, and and the thing how do, how does this relate to china the thing oh, is yeah, that yeah. the rendo mm-hmm. china rendo i mean many people here so if your laborers get hurt on the job you're not necessarily going to have to pay for it you're going to you're going to say oh you get the fuck out of here i'm going to hire mm-hmm. an, i'm going to hire a healthy guy yeah. i'm going to hire a guy who's not disfigured Which even is- though i was partially responsible for your disfigurement mm mm-hmm. Um, but it, there's just so many people where where bosses can afford to just 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 tell their workers to fuck off well, and, and they'll hire not, somebody new. And it's not just so many people. That I mean, that is crucial. But it's also a, a, a government willingness. Like there's a you know there's there's political willingness to to let this happen. You know, like well, there's a lot of money involved. Yeah, and, well, yeah, there's a lot of money involved. And I think uh, it's important just to bring up uh, briefly, at least, uh, that uh, in China, it's very generally truly accepted that. 
the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Like, I think that's, you know... And, you know, there there is kind of a logic to that. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, there's certainly... I mean, there's certainly... Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Like, those, you know, as, as you know, an American individual and everything, there's many things uncomfortable with this idea. Very. Um, yeah, certainly. But but there is a, a sound logic. Like, you know, there there are a number of benefits uh, that China can obtain or, you know, like, they, they can have competitive advantage, uh, you know, on a lot of goods because of this philosophy. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's just... The, I mean, if the needs of the many outweigh the few, then they can just sort of toss the few aside as, yeah. you know, they sort of steamroll slowly ahead. And, like, you know, and it can really suck for the few, you know? It really, yeah, it really can. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But yeah, it's but hey, sometimes it creates a lot of good artwork. Does it? Well, you know, you put pressure on people, and they they often create beautiful things. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, okay, look at yeah, black yeah, culture yeah, in America. Well, where does where does American music come from? Mostly from yeah, black people. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's and, true. Yeah, they, not, I'm not condoning that we that we put this unfair pressure on people, but I'm just I, saying it has its it has its benefits. And, well, and I think I mean, well, as far as the black music uh, experience in America, I mean, it's also black sports. It's it's just there's certain avenues that are sort of. Uh, where black people have a lot more, I think, social mobility mm. uh, than, you know, like, uh, say, like a, a black, an African-American that want you know, from, from Louisiana that wants to be a physicist. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of challenge. But an African-American that wants to learn an instrument and make a decent living, I think that's a little bit more reasonable as a prospect. While a white kid that wants to be a musician, it's possible but we have a lot of avenues that we can go down to to make a you know a good wage and have a like a, a solid financial future. And depending on which part of America you're in, let's see, yeah. let's get yeah. really. I mean, yeah. If you're in a liberal yeah. part of America, though, if you see a black person where blacks are the minority in this field, they're going to look more attractive to an extent. It's going to be oh he's well he's he's not it's only true, a physicist yeah. he's also a black physicist. Look at mm. Neil deGrasse Tyson or something like that. Mm. I think him being black actually helps his his sort of status in becoming a public figure because he's a very intelligent black man who who makes a lot of sense and is very articulate and uh you know it, it's something i mean i <laughs> no i mean like yeah. i don't want to i mean yeah. i it, the thing is like there's there's he's an anomaly i guess in, yeah. the, in the field of physics or something yeah. but the thing is like any you know many black people could do this but but i think in liberal parts of america people are going to sort of see him as a little more attractive because he looks different mm-hmm. and and i think but then again I, you go to other parts of america they're going to think well that nigger or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. I, I actually this reminds me uh, of an episode of south park where they're doing the the news a uh, news show yeah. and uh one of the points uh eric cartman makes is that you know like hey people people want to see black people yeah you know, they don't want to hear black people <laughs> they want to see black people though like you know it's, it's just a it's just a side point to toss in there but, um, i mean yeah and again this is maybe liberal parts of it yeah, not certainly. necessarily other parts of america mm-hmm. but yeah and there's also uh, uh no i didn't i actually don't have a thought i just no, started no, talking no thought, uh, well not no. not at this point uh mm-hmm. you know maybe uh, oh, I'll, well, do the, I'll do the typical we're gonna edit this out but like every conan episode we're not actually gonna edit it out yeah i mean that is that is always uh <laughs> That's pretty entertaining. But here, why don't we, let's just continue. Let's talk I, I about. Think, uh, I think we should talk about um, what common perception of race in China. Okay. Okay. What do Chinese people often think of themselves? Uh, they often see themselves as very smart, very sort of uh, a lot of ingenuity or something. You know, we created we created gunpowder, noodles. Mm. 
the compass and all this. They, they, they like to talk about a lot of ancient Chinese inventions. They like to talk about a, a ancient Chinese philosophy. That makes, I mean, that makes yeah. complete sense to me. If you look, uh, like, in, say, you're, uh, when I was traveling in North Africa, um, there was, oh, no, it's, I know, it sounds douchey. I'm sorry. No, it's but not, it's not, Mike, that's the problem with our society. That, the that, fact that it, a man that, can't yeah. say he's traveled through North Africa without sounding douchey. We're trying to break through the glass yeah. ceiling. Okay, No, but when I was traveling there, there was a lot of talk uh, uh, about the uh, the Golden Age, uh, like the sort of the I, I guess the Muslim Golden Age or the Arab Golden Age, like because you know, they, they, oh yeah, they, yeah, I mean arithmetic uh, or you know uh, they they made like codified, they made the alphabet, like yeah, there was a lot of things. Uh, that they did, like and algebra, I think, uh, yeah, algebra, yeah, like you know, there's um, so, so so I think that's very common. Like when if you're a part of a culture that like progressed society as a whole, like the entire world in a number of ways, you're gonna you're gonna brag about it. Like, hey man, yeah, he <laughs> was, was building pyramids when y'all was living in caves. And yeah, shit. I mean, yeah, you know, people, yeah, uh, yeah. How many black yeah. comedians in the '90s did you hear say that? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. It's a typical thing you heard, but yeah. you know, what uh, about what about now? Or like, yeah, now? Well, no, yeah, I mean, now we can talk about like, yeah, yeah, we, you know, what we did. We had uh, places where you could eat so much you'd vomit. And then you'd eat some more. That's what we did. Roman Empire. Represent, bitch. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, I think that's a, that's very, but since China has a really rich culture, and, like, there was uh, definitely a period where they were the most innovative society. They were, you know, they were leaders uh, of, you know, technology in many ways. Um, even though they didn't have, like, sort of a controlling hand on, like, a Europe. Well, Europe was sort of in the Dark Ages during this time, but, so China was, like, a leader, um, of course you're going to talk about it. You're going to feel pride about that. You, you know? should. Like, you should yeah. feel pride. I think, yeah, I think that's... that's it's pretty much. significant. Yeah, I think it's pretty... They did a lot of other printing press, although in, independently invented later uh, in Europe, but you you guys came up with it first, you it's know? It's kind like of a logical idea, isn't it? Uh, it makes perfect sense. I think yeah. a lot of inventions, people people could, you know, they would come yeah. to invent it with or without the influence of outsiders. Yeah, actually, uh, I was reading a lot of... I mean, most inventions are, are based on previous inventions. Like, it's it's very... Most inventions... Like, the, there's like some... snowball sort, effect. Yeah, it's a snowball. It's incremental. You know, it's like... Because the printing press wouldn't have existed without, you know, A, B, and C, although I wish I knew what A, B, and C were uh, at this point. Um, but, yeah, there, there was a number, yeah, so basically these things wouldn't be able to happen without the previous inventions to build on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, very rarely is there an invention that's just, like, pure stroke of genius. And most of the time, uh, for example, penicillin, uh, those inventions or discoveries are accidents. Uh, most of them are just incremental taking it to the next step. LSD, too. Yeah. Well, the cotton gin, uh, a lot of people actually, uh, uh, it's, that's an interesting story where a lot of people hate the, you know, the inventor of the cotton gin because they're like, oh yeah. He took our jobs! Well, no, no, it wasn't that. It was slavery was going to be no longer economically viable in the U.S. Hmm. And then the cotton gin happened and all of a sudden there was another, like a micro boom in slavery. Like it became, yeah. you know, it's like, oh yeah, it makes sense to have slaves because, you know, it's you could pr- uh, process so much cotton that, you know, it just economically made sense. Um, actually, I, I read an article recently that I think three or four people uh, developed cotton gins independently yeah. of what's his name. Yeah, and like, you know, it would there were slight differences, but basically, that's an invention. It's very, it's, you know, 
it was going to get invented no matter who did it. Like, you know, it was just, it was very logical next step. We're yeah. kind of moving towards sort of an industrial, you know, mechanized world. And something, I mean, someone was going to do it. It it would have happened either then or a year or five years later. Like, it's... And since we're on the topic of a uh, sort of history, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 we could relate that to, let's let's look at Chinese dynasties and how this relates to sort of foreign uh invasion uh mm-hmm. now if you yeah. look at china chinese culture a lot of chinese people han chinese people yeah. this sort of uh majority ethnicity uh these people didn't always dominate uh china yeah that's uh, true you go back uh to to sort of some of the short dynasties um the tong dynasty Oh, and there was a Apparently lot of sort favorite, of really yeah. the Jin dynasty, a lot of like short dynasties with these these sort mm-hmm. of uh, nomadic tribes people who who sort of uh, uh, confederized or something, and, and they got together and they dominated China. Yeah. Uh, but then, most famously, the Mongols, um, mm, you get, the you largest get, land empire ever in the history of man. And when it comes to terms of China, you call it the Yuan Dynasty, which is the Mongol dynasty, uh, sort of. With Genghis Khan or Chinggis Khan uh, sort of paved the way for, but Kublai Khan actually ruled, mm-hmm. and uh, this didn't last terribly long. It was, it was three sort generations, of, sort of thirteenth, fourteenth yeah. century, and uh, the Mongols. Yeah, like you said, biggest land empire, land ever. empire ever. ever. Yeah, Roman a Roman Empire, maybe half the size of this. Like it was huge. But then again, how disconnected was this empire? Uh, yeah, okay. how centrally authoritarian was it? Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, well, the Mongolians, they, they had an interesting thing going on, because uh, whenever, like, they would rise to power, it's basically they had, you know, they had horse, they had the manpower, they had, you know, they the Mongolian horses, they weren't quite Arabian horses, um, but they were, you know, they were maneuverable, they're, they're very strong, strong people, you know, they had, like, high technology uh, for the time, um, but they, they basically, all you would need is a charismatic guy. Uh, and that would set off another like Mongolian invasion. Well, not just charismatic. The, the guy yeah. better be a damn good killer. Yeah. The guy it's, better be yeah. a killer. He had to you be know? smart and charismatic, and that's all. And you like, better be a killer. You know? Yeah. And so basically, they call it an empire, but basically it was like, hey, you're gonna pay us, uh, or we'll kill you. Or like, I'm, gonna, that's I'm gonna chop your baby's head off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> thank, you, thank you for the yeah. graphic description. That's uh, yeah, not, just keep trying to keep it real. Yeah. Yeah. Not completely untrue. Um. But yeah. So basically, like, hey, you know, check it out. We. We we raped and burned this village next to you. Do you want to pay us, or do you want that to happen? Like, it's just like, oh! Uh, I'm looking at your, <laughs> your, your horses, your yeah. techniques. Yeah, you're very big people. Uh, I don't want to get raped today. I'm looking at my counterparts, these, these <laughs> yeah. fat fucks living yeah. in cities. I guess we'll pay you. And actually, uh, Russia, for, I think, uh, 100 years, was under, you know, yeah, they were under Mongol rule, and they are just like, yeah, fuck. They're back again. Like, every time, like, once once or twice a year, they would come God by payment. tartar sauce motherfuckers yeah. coming in. So it wasn't yeah. like a, it wasn't, unlike China, which has a rich history of, like, you know, bureaucracy and, like, government control, like, reaching all around like the mongols are just like hey we're raiders <laughs> we'll, we'll hey guys <laughs> yeah how are you uh you remember how we like destroyed everything that you you know fought for we want more money remember that green wall you guys built <laughs> yeah. well we went around it you should have built the whole thing <laughs> but yeah so this, so this uh, as far as china goes this scarred them, you know. Like this, this, this is a very uncomfortable time in their but, history. But, 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 yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but the beautiful thing about this, if you're Chinese, is yeah. who really won in the end? 
It was Kublai Chinese, Khan yeah. who became so influenced by Chinese culture that he adopted it himself. Mm-hmm. This guy became more Chinese culturally than he was Mongolian. Yeah, a similar yeah. argument, I guess, could be made for the uh, the Roman and Greek experience. You know, yeah. I mean, they adopted their gods. Like adopting a religion—that's a pretty big deal. You know, it's just like uh, it's it's important to know. Like, and I'm all about Poseidon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's one of the more <laughs> Release the Kraken. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the, in the Chinese, they're definitely, uh, they've always been a, a very large about face. And so when the Mongols took over, that made them feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's demeaning, you know? It like, is very demeaning. You know, what, this guy, this guy's coming in my house and he's, he's fucking, he's fucking my chick now. Mm-hmm. This, this is yeah. what's going on. Screw, you know, it's not a good feeling. Yeah, and, know, and the as Chi- a man. Yeah, as, as any, or, as, I mean, as a person. As, yeah. You know? And like, I think the Chinese, they, they've had a relatively uh, a dominant experience uh, as far as nationally or as far as the, you know, the, the ancient Chinese kingdoms go. It's not like, you know, the Sicilian experience where it's just like, yeah, we've been taken over. Fuck them. We don't care. We're going to we're gonna do what we do. We'll eat what we eat and, you know, we're, we're paying taxes. We don't give a shit. It's, you know, the Chinese, like, this is this is a strong source of pride. Well, then, and then let's go to, to another dynasty that was mm. dominated by a non-Han Ethnicity, which was the the Qing dynasty, mm-hmm. uh, the, which, the, the unifying dynasty, which sort of 1800s. This is ruled by the Manchu ethnic group, which are sort of similar to Mongols in sort of lifestyle and culture. Uh, they're traditionally from the northeastern part of China, what what some may call Manchuria, and uh, the Manchus uh, took over. They were actually. One of the biggest Chinese sort of... I mean, I guess they expanded the country, not as much as the Mongols, of course. But Mm -hmm. what you see is the People's Republic of China today, that's basically what the Manchus had dominated. Mm-hmm. And that includes Tibet and Xinjiang. Basically. Yeah, and that was yeah. well. That was one of the large arguments uh, when the communists took over uh, Tibet and Xinjiang. Yeah, uh, it was Xinjiang. Uh, Xinjiang. Xinjiang. X i n j i n j i a n g. I apologize. That was very bad. No, I just I just don't want to sound like one of those one of those like foreigners that comes to China and is like I've been working in Zhangjiang, and they're always like saying I went to Zhangjiang. I went to Zhangjiang. No, you're completely right. I I shouldn't sound like an idiot if I'm trying to talk about China. Um, but one of the arguments is like, oh yeah, well, Tibet and uh, Xinjiang. That yeah, right? good. Okay. Beautiful, okay. Thank, thank you, thank yeah. you, man. Uh, one of the arguments Your tones could be better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do I do? First and a third instead of a second and a fourth? <laughs> but anyway, like the argument, uh, you know, it's, we're not taking over these independent territories. We're reunifying China. That was the argument. It was, you know, it's, it's basically like, and I've actually discussed uh, typical political science bullshit. You know, uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, certainly. But at the same time, the argument has always resonated. You know, like uh, if you look, I mean, uh, Hitler in Germany, uh, Czechoslovakia. Uh, you know, the uh, east of whatever those mountains were called. Sorry, west of whatever those mountains were called. It's like, well, Alps. yeah, it was the Alps and the Czechoslovakia. Uh, I don't know the mountain uh, range. Am I, I should know more about this. But anyways, they were basically like, look, there are, they're, they're already, look, look, yeah, because they, well, no, 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 they, they said, look, we're, they're already speaking German. They're, they're essentially German people. 
Yeah. It's the, you should just, you know, the world, just let him join, rejoin us. Just give us your Jews. Yeah, well, no, I mean, th- at this point, this was, I think, uh, 40, or sorry, 38, so it was before, or 37, maybe. Yeah. It was before they attacked Poland and everything, and people were just like, okay, they're German, like, you know, the Germans will do good stuff for them, why not? Like, you know, we should let them reunify. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, uh, the, 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 the territory they took, there was some of it that was, uh, that was west of these mountains, and or sorry, sorry, east of these mountains, and it basically allowed uh, Germany to take over the rest of Czechoslovakia. Hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, that's just you know, that's just a side note that you know, like hey, but there's something about people. There's something about human beings, and okay, this applies. I don't know how much it applies to women, but as a man, I can yeah. understand this. You don't want to be dominated by no. another guy unless that's some kind sure. of weird thing you get off on. <laughs> You know, <laughs> which, we, which we talked about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it could be in many other forms. Yeah. I mean, it could be sort of the jock and nerd sort of. Yeah. I mean, I think there could be different forms of that. What? But, but at the same time, what did the Manchus do during this Qing Dynasty? Manchus had a very unique hairstyle. Mm. They. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. they shave the front of their head and grow the back of their head long and put it in a braid. The if you think if you yeah. think a mullet looks bad, if you think a mullet looks bad, look at this haircut. Well, and not only that, that like, if, if a, someone cut it off, that was a very serious offense. Well, why is like, this serious offense? I'm sure most people wanted to cut that shit off. That shit's <laughs> ugly. But well, no, yeah. yeah, this was important. No, yeah. but this is this is political domination. They're saying, hey. You better wear your hair in this way if you're a man. If you don't, I'll cut your fucking head off. But at the yeah. same time, like, you know, you don't mind. Like, I, I think, yes, there's that desire for independence, which is why a lot of countries break up. But at the same time, there's the desire for uh, sort of the security and sort of the uh, being a part of the winning team. I think that's, you know, like the national Winning team. Yeah, the winning yeah. team. So, like, you know, a lot of America, like, and I mean, nationalism is basically like, hey, look at our country. You know, we're great. You know, like, even though people's lives... In certain nations aren't great. Like, yeah. you know, being poor in America, for example, sucks. But at the same time, it's like, hey, you know, we love America because we're in the winning team. We do great, you know, we're leaders in this way and that way. And uh, Okay, okay, let's say, let's say a bunch of Nantucket waspy types just sort of, like, get on horses and just dominate America to another extent. Uh-huh. And they're like, everybody <laughs> who is a man must have a comb-over. If you don't, we will cut your. I don't off. think that's how they did it, though. You know, and I, I'm pretty and sure that's you better have a comb I'm pretty over. Pretty sure this is not how history happens. If you don't have a nice Mitt Romney comb over, you're yeah. gonna get your head cut off. I think it was just you know, since the top people had a comb over, it's like you you emulate the wealthy. Are you kidding? No, no, this was a rule. This was a rule. No, you're, you're really. You didn't know about this? I did not know. No, about this was a rule. If you didn't have the haircut, you got your head cut. It was a rule. Well, this was this is. This is just political domination. Okay, of, no, of, but it just, makes sense. Subjugation. It's a great, it's a great yeah. hair. It's a great hair. Deal. It's not. It's, I mean, the color is all right. The uh, color is fine. But the, the um, shade and the okay, I'm a balding guy. I did the comb over thing for a while. You know, I tried to. I just shaved my head. Recently. He did a very good job of hiding it. Uh, and then, okay, I did the comb over thing, the traditional comb over. Then I sort of did this sort of messy, uh-huh. this messy yeah. sort of uh, comb over. It was it was a new take on the comb over that oh, yeah. I invented. And, <laughs> You should back it was that. it was very annoying to deal with because I didn't want people to see my balding, mm-hmm. and not that there's anything wrong with balding. It's just you know it's a self confidence thing. But then I shaved my head and I was like, oh, I feel like a gay guy that just came out of the closet <laughs> or something like that. You know, I felt free, and mm-hmm. these man shoes sort of imposed the ugliest haircut in American history. I mean, 
Upon the Chinese population, how are you going to deal with that? That is very demeaning. Mm, the yeah. ugliest haircut ever <laughs> imposed on your entire people. Yeah. Are you going to accept that? Women didn't have to deal with it, but they had foot binding. Well, and not, yeah, but not only uh, did they impose this haircut, they also, uh, as far as like say the opium wars, you know, like when it came to imperialism, they lost. You know, it's the uh, oh, yeah, they suck, man. You know what I'm I mean, they they didn't. Yeah. They, they invented gunpowder. Where are your guns? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's actually one thing I, I just I want to bring up. You know, a lot of people are really scared of the the, the Chinese military. They're, they're arming themselves. You know, and like oh, they had like an issue with the Philippines. I don't find it that scary. I think you know the uh, well. First of all, uh, we were talking the other day. You know, I thought you brought up a good point where China is so difficult to manage. It's hard for them to expand. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great point. Yeah. And the other thing, though, I think that the Chinese. They were an economic superpower. Like that, you know, they 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 produced everything they needed themselves uh, and sent it prior to the Opium War. So the eighteen hundreds, um, or sorry, the was seventeen seventeen hundreds. When was the Opium War? It was the 18, 1800s. Yeah. It started like eighteen, it's, early maybe eight, late eighteen teens, early eighteen twenties. Uh, like the first Opium War. So Almost nothing. They got silver. They they basically got silver and gold for for tea, for silk, for it was you know, the, for so What happens is the British come in. They're like, yeah, hey, we like trading things. Yeah, and we're gonna come into China. They better trade with us. And yeah. they're like, and the oh, we don't we don't need your yeah. we don't need your cotton. Yeah, we don't yeah. need any of that. We, we don't got, need your yeah. little fun little frilly textiles. <laughs> and so, and like, you got silver? Yeah, no. we like that. We like that. You got yeah. silver? No, I didn't think so. Right? Yeah. These guys, these. British guy, these smart ass guys, they're like, yeah. "How the hell are we gonna get some silver?" Yo, I tried this thing called opium. Yeah. Well, that stuff got me. You know, that stuff. That stuff felt good. Yeah. Well, and they did very sleazy things like forcing people to smoke it just to you know get them addicted and like uh, a lot of questionable practices there. Uh, well, yeah, they, they together, come yeah. in. They're like, they get this opium and they come in. They're like, "Hey man, you want to buy some opium?" Mm-hmm. Buy some shit. <laughs> and, uh, LSD, opium. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but it's and, important to note though the Chinese didn't have a strong military. And they had awesome trade, uh, favorable balance of trade, where they were getting tons of silver, and like ships were coming into, uh, ships were leaving China, uh, and just coming back to it with silver. They didn't have a strong military relative to the West. To the West, yeah, Yeah, that's important, yeah. Yeah. And so I think right now the Chinese build up in military is more like, yeah, you remember that time, uh, we like were like the best economy in the world. And then the West attacked us, and you know, like I think the China's just like, yeah, yeah, I remember that time. Can we not do that this time? Yeah, we're not gonna. <laughs> we're not gonna let that happen. Yeah. But the funny thing about that is a lot of like a lot of students I've dealt with. They're all like, "Why doesn't America share its high technology with China? They should cooperate." I'm like, oh, "Why? <laughs> because they're gonna introduce it. You guys are gonna steal it and make it cheaper, and you're gonna fuck us over in yeah. the end." Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like the the difference. Between, yeah. Why would American. we give it to you? You're not going to give us anything. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Well, I mean, the big difference between uh, the American uh, sort of system and the Chinese system, the American system is much more beneficial for, for innovation, for new technologies. The Chinese system, it 
it's much better for scale. It's much better for utilizing things yeah. and mass producing it uh, yeah. at, a, at a price that's you know that's more than competitive uh, for the rest of the world. Like it's, you know, but you know, so so uh, as far as economics go, the Americans, you know, in the West generally, they can't produce things as cheaply, but they can produce new things. They can, you know, well, the Chinese, there's less incentive, uh, you know, for creativity. Uh, this is in their schools, this is in their companies. Uh, there's less incentive for the creativity. And I want to be clear, there are creative people in China. Definitely. But, you know, it's just there's less push for this creativity. Yeah, there's, in, in Chinese education, there's not a lot of incentivization for creativity. Yeah. Chinese, a lot of it's yeah. about passing tests. Memorization. Passing, yeah, memorizing this, memorizing yeah. that. It, like, you know, in, in the West, uh, I think in elementary school, we would write papers about how we feel about things. Or, yeah. you know, our thoughts on book reports, you know. Like, it, yeah. was, it was about, you know, bringing out, like, you know, your opinions. You gotta or, express yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very important. Well, in, in Chinese education, like, you know, the, the student should be quiet, obedient, and should know what, you know, how to recite these things, should know how, like... Hmm, you will listen to a teacher! Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, actually, uh, as an English teacher, and I'm sure you've experienced this to uh, some extent, the um, uh, parents, you know, kind of get irritated with uh, English, uh, American English teachers, or Western English teachers, because our classes are loud and unruly. Because they're too nice. And yeah, yeah, and we're too nice. Exactly. Like, you know, they want us to, like... I mean, literally, if we if we slap them on the the wrist a little bit, I think that the te- the, the parents would be appreciative. They'd be into that stuff. I mean, you yeah. go you go to any sort of uh, private edu- early education center in China, uh, or, or or public for that matter, you're going to find a lot of a lot of child beating. Yeah, you know, and and it's like corporal punishment, unwarranted child mm-hmm. beating too. Like yeah. not even necessary. It's going to be like, what did you say? Mm. What did you say? You said Bowser, which is like stuffed bun. And then they get beat, uh, you know. Yeah. You know, like I have a friend of mine who, who teaches at at a private <laughs> elementary school, and um, he has a lot of fun with the kids. He teaches them words, but uh, when they start making jokes and stuff, these kids get disciplined. And and isn't humor a good way to learn a language? If you can joke in a language, doesn't that mean you've kind of mastered it to an extent? Well, I think we've we've sort of deviated from from the topic of race uh, a lot. <laughs> and I'm thinking about it right now, and I think we, we, we sort of, we, maybe we need to do this as a two-parter. Uh, but I, I want to sort of get back to this topic, and uh, what are some common views about race in China? Well, let's talk about black people in China. Um, there's a lot of Africans in China right now. There's a lot of trade going on between China and Africa. China's looking for resources. Africa's looking for trading partners. Uh, it's it's a sort of like a match made in heaven because China doesn't necessarily care about internal political issues of the countries it does business with. Whereas America, uh, often working with the UN, does care about these sort of things. You just say, we'll do business with you, but you have to improve these social conditions, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't mean it's actually going to improve anything. In fact, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of waste involved. But at the yeah. same, I mean, at the same time, though, America might be like it's not just the UN; it's the you know the, the WTO or the yeah. But they're not just saying you have to improve conditions. There's also you know a side of America that wants to to make conditions worse. You know, to make things more business friendly or to 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 sort of upset political balances a little bit so they can be like so it's easier. Uh, it's divide and conquer. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a typical Machiavellian bullshit. Yeah, I mean. I mean, uh, I, I think the like 
I think uh, colonization is uh, unfortunately a very natural progression when uh, when you know economies of scale or empires happen. I think I, th- I mean since it's happened you know throughout history, just any empire that can colonize generally will colonize. I think though the the true marker of a, a good nation or a great nation is how they do it. Yeah. Um. I I think you know the the British for example like a. Uh, they they were yeah they were a little bit prickish but a little. a little yeah but at the same time when it, when push came to shove they they backed off in a lot of places like uh you know India or you know the American experience like I mean they in the War of eighteen twelve they won the war burned down our Capitol building the White House and uh, and they're just like you know we're dealing with Napoleon you just have your country do whatever we don't care um but. But as opposed to, say, like, the Italians, you know, who, after when they left Libya or Ethiopia, they took all of the heavy industry, all of the factory parts back home. Like, you know, that's just, that, that's not just demoralizing. That's also basically, uh, basically taking uh, a lot of the resources, a lot of the capital, uh, and a lot of the potential for the country and setting them back. Maybe twenty, thirty, fifty years, uh, technologically speaking and industrially speaking. Hmm. Um, but uh, why did I deviate to that point? Well, I mean, That's... we could we could go back to this point a lot because um, sort of if you look at Chinese dominance in in certain regions of China, yeah. Xinjiang, Tibet, again, or other regions for that matter, Inner Mongolia, whatever. Yeah, you see that that people here, the common sort of I idea is that these were traditionally parts of China. Yeah. Therefore That's... they have the right to dominate these places. Yeah. But if you use that logic then maybe England has the right to dominate Hong Kong. Maybe uh, maybe Holland has the right to dominate Taiwan. Uh it certainly is a England logic. England yeah. has the right to dominate many parts of Africa or or anywhere where the sun shines. Mm. Uh, blah blah blah. France could get Louisiana back. Do you yeah, want I mean, that? <laughs> it's a silly logic, but I think yeah. a lot of people this is the thing, a lot of people in China uh will use anything that 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 will benefit sort of benefit them, them oh, yeah. in that in that time and space, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really matter what the ideology is as long as it benefits them. Kind of like a neocon sort of sort of idea. It's good. It's good comparison. You sort of you sort of get that mentality a lot of the time, and it, and it sort of makes you very discouraged to argue with anybody here because what's the point if if they they have no actual real spirit or belief? They just want mm-hmm. their culture to dominate. But then let's get back to this. Maybe that's what all this world is. Maybe that's all. That's that's maybe that's what it all comes down to. Who's dominating? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And and if you if if your country's dominating, maybe there's some sort of zero sum game at play, and and maybe you're the most benevolent dominator of them all. Yeah. Something. Is America the most benevolent dominator? I don't know. I you know? I, I don't necessarily think yeah. so, but I think we're as a dominator, uh, we're not too bad. You know, yeah, like, we're, we're pretty all right. Yeah, like I think yeah. we do occationally uh, overthrow a government that's like democratically elected. You know, that's you know, kind of disappointing. We, we, we kind of chop down rainforests. Yeah, we rain, sell yeah. weapons yeah. to one country to fund an illegal war in another. Like, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of well, bad. Not that bad. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like you know, if you're willing to play ball, uh, you know, we're we're nice. Like you know, we don't. Uh, we don't enslave or capture, like you know, say say like uh, Ghana or you know, uh, j- there's a number of countries um, in, in Central and South America that you know they they play along a little bit, and we're not too bad to them. Like yeah. it's uh, uh, you know, or like with Iran, even though like we kind of botched that one majorly, we we uh, we start, we sort of set them up to be a neo uh, 
felony uh, trading partner, major oil trading partner. Uh, just, you know, more treaty based. Like, we didn't have to go in there. We didn't use our military. You know, we didn't we didn't use the CIA and assassinate anyone. Like, it was just, well, we manipulated them, certainly. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, hey, you want to you wanna join the party or do you want to, uh, you know, do you want to kind of not join the party? Like, yeah. it was... Mongol style, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's basically... That's well, I mean, the, is it Mongol? This is just, this is just basic dominance style, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just that. We're going we're gonna to fuck we're gonna you over it. or you're going to join us. Like, you say, hey, we don't have enough food, we don't have enough water, we don't have this, that. Why don't we take it from those people? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and you know, we get the 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 classic argument: might is right. You know, it's uh, uh, yeah. it's really yeah. I mean, Idealistically, so, not so course, attractive. Uh, yeah, you know, but uh, historically, very accurate. I yeah. think, and, and and this is the thing is that I think a lot of people, especially sort of like liberal left wing ideologies, they sort of have this rosy picture of the world that without American dominance, without white dominance, it's everybody's going to be so friendly and nice. Think about it this way. If it weren't these people dominating, who's going to dominate instead? And if they do dominate, how are they going to treat you? I think that's, yeah, that's, 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 you think they're going to treat, you think they're going to treat you any better? (laughs) Yeah. They they might treat you a lot worse, actually. Well, I mean, I, I, I feel a little bit uncomfortable with, like, you know, how they treat you. I think it's just generally how they treat those that they dominate. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, if you treat uh, the people that you're dominating uh, with certain amount of decency, certain amount of respect, which actually, let me jump to uh, the China condition, uh, say in Africa. Um, one thing they're they're very uh, isolated. They live in compounds. You know, they're they're not really interested in intermingling. They're not interested in exporting their culture. Um, it really is just a business arrangement for them. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not sure, like, you know, there's definitely benefits to that. Like, you know, it's definitely, uh, there's positive aspects to, to, you know, this square, squared straight business relation. But at the same time, uh, there's a little bit of discomfort where it's like, you're not us, you know, we're not going to try your food. We're not going to, we're not going to try to mingle at all. Like, you know, there's, there's no interest in your people. This is all about. Getting into you know getting these resources, getting into this market, getting you know this, is, and and so like it's it's definitely uh, something that I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out because it's not a straight up dominance. It's not you know no. there's there's almost no cultural interchange uh, or cultural exchange. It's just you know a, a business arrangement. Um, it's just cooperation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's just cooperation. There is you know. The, the only dominance, if you will, is uh, uh, economies of scale. Like, you know, we, we have so much money, our, our economics are so good, we can, you know, sort of push it around. It's all soft power, which, yeah. you know, is, is something very appreciable. Like, even though China has hard power, they almost, I mean, besides the incident in the Philippines, the only, uh, I, actually, I haven't seen China use its hard power, um, but they use their they, soft they power. They don't have hard power. Yeah. yeah they well, mean, I mean, they, they kind of do. They yeah. do. In yeah, relative, regions, regions of China. Yeah, oh yeah, and and as far as, well as far as the argument uh, of them controlling those countries, uh, or sorry, those territories, um, say like Tibet, uh, I, I think that's a very interesting thing because it's it's more uh, like you know yeah you can hate uh, hate on China for taking over those countries or say they're sorry sorry say that they're independent countries that China's taking over or like you know well we had this you know we deserve it again. 
but it's really just them sort of asserting a little bit of uh, their regional their regional hegemon, their their regional power. But they they do a lot of nasty stuff in those places. Yeah, uh, certainly. Yeah, there there's certainly. Although there was, uh, I mean, I've seen some propaganda. It's like, yeah, those places weren't perfect to begin with. I, I'm no, sure. Were, was, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, obviously, nowhere is. I, I, I have a feeling that they're a little bit worse off now than they were. But uh, that's a feeling. I, I can't really back that up. Uh, well, I mean, the thing. I mean, if you look at it economically, I mean, there there may appear to be more prosperity in those regions, but, but it's, it's it's prosperity for Han Chinese people in yeah, those regions. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, it's it's kind of the same. Like the GDP is probably one of the worst indexes in the world yeah. because you know, if for example, America, one of the highest GDPs, if not the highest, yeah. I don't know where. Yeah, um, but it really doesn't talk about poverty. It doesn't talk about uh, social social issues, social justice, social equality. That's just and they they've, just, they've kind of taken a. I mean, this is maybe just logical, but they've kind of taken a cue from, like, uh, a lot of the Jewish settlers in Palestine. Mm-hmm. You know, you move your people into that area, you get them to settle down, mm-hmm. uh, start families, blah, 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 yeah. start businesses. Uh, they may start to dominate that place. And yeah. then you get the same sort of thing in, in, in parts of Western China that, that may uh, sort of have this idea that they should be independent of China. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. They had that settler mentality thing over there. And and the same goes for yeah. America. I mean, look at the American West. Look at look at America in general. Oh, Manifest yeah. Destiny. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. like, that's, uh, yeah, it's classic. It's the same thing. Yeah. Like, it's all the same. What's the deal with Hawaii? Yeah, it's, it, well, it's, it's the same and it's different. Like, I mean, I don't want, like, it's very, I think what it is is it's, you know, sort of the, the same basic drive, uh, but I think, you know, the way that it plays out, uh, the way that it interplays with uh, cultures, I think that, I think there are differences. I think the differences are important, and, you know, we shouldn't glaze over them and just say it's all the same. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, the, you know, the sort of the heart of the issue, or the heart of the, the drive, I think is, you know... Expansion yeah. and dominance is what it's about. Yeah. But who's benefiting here? Elites are benefiting. Right? Yeah. Yeah, the elite benefit from this most. So, I mean, if, if we sort of look at a, a global world where, where people don't accept this, we have the internet now to express mm-hmm. ourselves and not accepting this sort of behavior... Maybe there may be some kind of cultural shift in the world uh, where the internet is a tool to express this sort of thing. Maybe governments will start backing down on this this, this sort of uh, this sort of idea of, of expansion and dominance. You know, mm-hmm. maybe people can start uh, finding some middle ground with each other. Maybe, I, maybe. I, I, maybe. I don't. I mean, I don't believe. Like you know, as far as the internet goes, it seems like. Somehow, either we screwed ourselves over or someone screwed... I think there's, you know, there's still obvious gatekeepers uh, to information. There's still, you know, like, there's still this obvious control uh, on information, on the, on sort of access to the internet. Like, how many internet companies are there, you know, like, or how many can you subscribe to uh, in your home? Like, there might be one, two, three providers. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, it's definitely... And, uh, I mean, certainly there's rules where they can't, uh, at least in the U.S., I, I doubt these rules exist in China. China, where they slow down content from certain sites because they're not affiliated. Uh, fortunately, they block that in the U.S. But um, but there, there definitely is uh, gatekeepers. Like I don't see the internet as it is democratizing in many ways. I don't see it as democratizing as as uh, people want it to be or as people argue it to be. And I think I make that distinction because you know obviously there's the the optimist that wants it to be, but people make it to be. I think there's some people uh, that you know claim it's more democratizing than it is with yeah. ulterior motives. You know, yeah. I, I think you know they they yeah. I, well, look, I mean, look at America where hmm. they're you know sort of. 
Seventeenth uh, fastest internet speed, by the way. Just throw that stat they're out there. They're praising. They're praising. You know, they, last twenty eleven, they're praising uh, Jasmine Revolution, the the use of social media in sort of overthrowing these. Jasmine, the Arab Spring. Yeah, isn't that don't they call it Jasmine Revolution? I've never heard the the term oh, Arab Spring, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Jasmine, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just what I've heard. Okay. Whatever. Maybe okay. maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Okay, yeah, anyways, okay. we all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. American government praised yeah, this sort of activity. Yeah, Twitter, yet you get Facebook, yeah. you, you get uh, lawmakers trying to pass SOPA and things like that. Things uh, restricting people, them. Uh, yeah, in people, the name yeah, of yeah. copyright protection. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah, well, they're trying to control the internet because they're afraid. I think. Well, yeah. I think that's a very interesting point, actually, because China gets a lot of flack for their their regulation on the internet. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, internationally, like you know, human rights watches, foreign governments, they get a lot of you know a lot of crap. Like, yeah, you're trying to control your population in, like such a way, like because you know in America our strategy is just flood people with irrelevant and erroneous and wrong, straight out wrong information, and so, you know, you can kind of shape policy that way. Yeah. In China, it's just straight up, you can't look at these things, you can't read these things, we're going to block these things. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, they get a lot of flag, but then uh, with, well, there's so many, uh, like with the Eurozone sort of having its issues, a, p- a lot of people are in the streets going, you know, uh, either just protesting peacefully to going kind of nuts. There's a, there's sort of a, you know, or just England had recently uh, a lot of a student protests because the price is there. There's there's a lot of, you know, uh, unrest. Unrest. And not just unrest, though, but it's like, it's very, very public and it's slowing down the economies uh, of these countries. Like, it's, uh, and so, at the same time, they get a lot of flack, but then at the same time, China's looking at these countries, these incidences, and just like, well, you know, you criticized us for this, you know, but at the same time, uh, look what's happening to you. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why the, the, the Chinese were uh, Jewish in this in this particular scenario, with my impression of them. That but was a Jewish thing? That was like, yeah, yeah well, uh, look at uh, it. Yeah, that's, that's my Jew. It's, although the, the Chinese uh, and the Jews, they actually, I mean, at one point, Jews were called Orientals. It's they, they there's, have a, there's a lot of similar stereotypes. There's a lot yeah. of similar, yeah, there's a lot of And I think that's a very, uh, that's a very just a fun thing to talk about. Uh, you can get deep on that issue, too. Do, do you know much about the Chinese Jews? Uh, well, the, well, the ones in Shanghai that uh, that came. No, no, no I mean the, um, oh, the, the Chinese people that converted to Judaism. No, 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 hundreds of years ago, a bunch uh-huh. of Jews like came over as merchants to China and, uh-huh. and, and lived in um, like the capital at the time. Kaifeng is called, and uh-huh. uh, I don't, I don't remember which dynasty it was. It was some yeah. between one thousand and. Uh, maybe Tong, maybe Song or, or Ming. I don't. I think it was before the Qing. And uh-huh. a lot of Jews sort of came over here, maybe via the Silk Road, mm-hmm. and they settled. They did business and they integrated. And I mean, I'm going to get real ethnographic here, but you look at a lot of people's noses here. Yeah, you there's see quite that a few here? Chinese people, kind of Jewish-looking noses, you know. Yeah, like, that's and true. maybe there's something, you know, maybe there's some kind of a racial, you know, inter intermingling of sorts, you know, going on there. I would, I mean, that's, that's the logical conclusion. Yeah. Whenever you have people to get, I mean, you get people together and, uh, it, it, the frequency varies, but they're going to fuck. Like that's, you know, that's it happens. Just, it just, it know. happens. And, uh, I think it's fortunate that like, say in Vietnam, a lot of the, uh, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I guess babies from Western, you know, or bi, uh, biracial parents. Mm. 
and uh, and after after America lost the war and left, there was a lot of discrimination uh, against these white kids to the point uh, many of them were killed, like mm. just straight up. Yeah, like there there was some nasty business, and then there was you know some some lightly nasty business where they were just discriminated against. But uh, there was it, it's a very serious thing, you know. So I, I think you know, fortunately, uh, I, well at least there's nothing written about it here in China and the, mm-hmm. the Jew experience, but uh, the Jewish. Sorry, and NPR did something about it. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there was a pretty good in-depth article about it maybe last year sometime. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. what we're on the well, we're on the subject. Let's of, of NPR. Uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I, I really, uh, I, I felt deeply moved by the by the the growth of. Of the garden, uh, Nathan. Would you, would you like to? Would you like to? I, I, I was actually <laughs> sitting sitting in my aviary the other day, and um, I was I was reading a book about China, and um, yeah. I, I found that there was yeah. a, a academic type who. Nathan and Mike doing NPR. <laughs> uh, we got. We'll, we'll bust out more later, um, but no. <laughs> I, I think we should we should talk about uh, how other people uh, view China since we we I think we we've talked a good amount about race in China, um, but the outside perceptions and how some of them they're stereotypes that come from somewhere, and then some of them are just flat out wrong. Let's they're talk just, about yeah. ugly foreigners, <laughs> okay. ugly Americans, okay. ugly Canadian, ugly European. Let, let's talk about them. I don't. Yeah. I don't what, what, <laughs> Let me just think of another synonym. Yeah. And, no, okay, so what what are some of these views that a lot of uh, Western... Look, I'm not going to say any foreign... Foreigners is, is a huge, you know, huge word. Oh, yeah, yeah, It includes yeah, Koreans, yeah. it includes yeah. Vietnamese, Kazakhstan folk. Bangladeshians. Yeah, Bangladesh. Yeah, yeah, in my death in Bangladesh. <laughs> sure, you yeah. Know, exhibit. Any, any of the 214 countries that are in the world. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of different yeah. foreigners, but yeah. well, let's say uh, English speaking foreigners because those are the people I've communicated the most with of foreigners in China. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the common views come from you know another type of ing- ignorance. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of foreigners come here; they face the ignorance of the local people. But then again, a lot of the foreigners that come here sort of uh, have the same sort of ignorance, but they don't even realize it. Yeah, they and have they, their own perception. Yeah, their cultural yeah, superiority yeah. ideals, you know? Yeah, that's that's something that always makes me uncomfortable is, you know, the, like, I don't, I'm not an absolute cultural relativist, mm. uh, you know, like, there's certain, I, I think there are certain things that are just, you know, uh, poor, poor sort of uh, facilities of, you know, sort of poor, um, sorry, poor, that are just not right, uh, you know, to put well, simply. This, this but, sort of narrow view, you know? Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, uh, like, say, female circumcision makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, I do s- uh, subscribe to cultural relativism. Like, yeah. you know, there's, uh, there's just a lot of ways to be, and uh, most... how, about, how about male circumcision? Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Uh, You're just... Fine with it. Well, fine... it a, do you think it's a type of mutilation? Uh, you know, I think it's maybe on par with like uh, getting your ear pierced or a tattoo. On like... par with getting your ear pierced. Okay, maybe a little bit more, but uh... it, it, it it removes some of the main nerves from your penis. Yeah, yeah. but at the same time, like the difference uh, between in this uh, between male and female circumcision, uh, men that are circumcised, they're still gonna feel it. They're still gonna enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, like yeah. you know, there's no doubt. And like, uh, yeah, there's some argument that it's cleaner. Like you know, that's. But at the same time. 
what female circumcision does, they're not going to enjoy it. They're not going to feel it. But, no but why, why is female circumcision even relevant in this situation? We're still talking about mutilating a male genital. Uh, um, no, maybe like, why do we have to relate the two? Why can't both of them be wrong? Mm, I, I, to different degrees. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I, no, I see what you're saying. No, I, I honestly... I, I think that uh, that male circumcision, it's not, I mean, it's not something that uh, that I'm going to, you know, parade about or, you know, be gung-ho about. But I think it's generally, it's, you know, I think it's fine. I'm going to go cultural relativism on this one. Yeah. Because I don't think it crosses the line. Like, I think, you know, that all the essential features of the penis remain on a circumcised penis. Like, you know, it's... Not the foreskin. Uh, yeah, no, I'm saying the essential features. I don't think the, the foreskin, foreskin... is not essential. I don't think it's essential. You can still feel it. You can still enjoy it. You can still procreate. Uh, you know, it's it's not so... It's it's actually, you know, some people consider more attractive. You well, know? yeah, many people think that, but... Yeah. But... Versus... But, yeah, versus the... No, versus the female circumcision, which I think does cross a line. Like, I think, you well, know... Yeah, but I think like, there's a lot of gray area. But, I mean, but I think why, why do we have to, like... Compare the two, though. I mean, obviously, female circumcision is worse. Uh-huh. Obviously, yeah, yeah, obviously. But okay, okay. I mean, so yeah, without comparing the two, then yeah. I just I think that there there's certain lines. Uh, you know, yeah, certainly. But but could you? Okay, let's let's take a look at this. Yeah, one. I mean, we I think we can make another podcast out of this. But yeah, certainly. Let's say. Okay, why do we do male circumcision other than religious reasons? Let's go with the health reasons. The health, okay. going to prevent UTIs, AIDS. Uh, there's maybe certain disorders. And I, I was reading about this today because I was arguing on Facebook about it today with uh-huh. some others. My brother is very gung-ho about this. Yeah. And um, uh, apparently only 1% of boys have this sort of disorder that occurs with the foreskin. Mm. And shit, I don't even remember what it is now, but you better look it up. Uh, NHS, the the UK's National Health, whatever, Uh, uh, has has something about this. Just look it up on Google. Um, But it's very, very rare that there's complications due to the foreskin. Yeah. And um, we still do it. We still sort of, you know, yeah, it's easier to clean, but let's look at the vagina. Vagina takes a lot of maintenance. Vagina. It's much higher maintenance. Ladies get UTIs all the time. Yeast infections. Yeast infections. We're not going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Real smelly ones. Like, (laughs) you know, I was like, well, no, and AIDS, like it's, it's a lot more common, uh, like the, the trans, the transfer rate of HIV. Um, it's much more likely that a female is going to get it, uh, from, uh, from heterosexual sexual sex then a male is going to get it from so, so let's say sex. we find it's, let's say we find a medical procedure a kind of surgery that that will help a woman to avoid UTIs yeast infections AIDS blah 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 but it doesn't hinder their sexual pleasure a lot do you think women would be okay with that uh, I mean, I, I think uh, I think an argument can be made. I, but, but at the I same think, time, uh, that's what, women, more, what women though? What women? You know, are, are, do you think American women are going? to... No, probably not American women. Do I? Well, think, that's what I meant as American. Yeah, no, but that's but see, I'm making I'm make I'm going with cultural relativism here. Yeah. Like I don't think you know as far as circumcision goes. I don't think, you know, I don't think it crosses the line. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I don't think, like, yeah, there's arguments to be made against it, but when someone else is doing it, it's not for me to judge. Yeah. You know, like, I think, you know, it's like, yeah, but say, like, yeah, murder crosses the line. You know, someone else is, like, you know, in, in Sudan or, you know, in these places, uh, is, other people are doing it. Like, I think, I think that's wrong. Mm. I think you're crossing the line. Female circumcision? Yes. I think that's wrong. I think, uh, you know, but male circumcision? If someone else is doing it, it's fine. It's not, you know, it's not something that I think is necessary. Uh, and, you know, right. for my kids, yeah. yeah, for my kids, you know, there's a good chance I won't. 
But I don't think, you know, if someone else believes that they should do this for one reason or another, I don't think that I should impose my values. I don't, I don't have to, I'm not going to look down on them. Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. just. Well, yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I'm all about freedom of choice. But I yeah. think if you look at the 21st century uh-huh. and male circumcision, isn't it a little outdated? I, I mean, the yeah. penis, it looks better. The penis looks yeah, better. Yeah, it looks better. Yeah. I think your boobs look better. Does that mean yeah. we should all get breast implants? I, I mean, I think you might look good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with a pair of new knockers. Uh, yeah? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, I, I want to go for, like... I want to go for the aesthetic of, like, female bodybuilders. Yeah. You know, uh, weird, freaky, uh, freaky boobs, but a lot of muscles. You know? Yeah. I'm not a not yeah, a sexually attracted to the female. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess power to them. I don't... You know, it's... Yeah, freedom of choice, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. There's, there's nothing, you know... Uh, so... In China, yeah, yeah, they don't circumcise. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, it's, yeah. circumcision uh, for me is a non-issue. Like you know, I'll talk about it just because it's being talked about. Mm. Um, male circumcision, female circumcision, like you know, that's like it's pretty gross. I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I keep on going back to this line. You know, like, and I, I think. Yeah, I think cultural relativism is. You know, I it should be uh, more. Like, I think there's importance to tolerance. I think there's more. You know, there's an importance to understanding and acceptance and all the, you know, tolerance, I think, is not talked about enough because it's mm. like you can hate something or dislike something, but you sort of accept it. I think, yeah. I think that's important. But, but you know, I, I think that there are certain lines. And I, I think most people sort of have a smaller space where the lines are um, uh, than I, I, I believe should be, uh, should be valued. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, like, you know, I think, yeah. That's that's sort of my idea on that well, that issue. Damn, we went off on a tangent again. Yeah, we did. I think one of our issues uh, with this podcast is we reviewed it before. We should have been well. We should have been doing more sort of professional when we were first looking at it because yeah. we were really on point in our first segment. Like we talked almost nothing about anything else except race. Yeah, but we weren't using our radio voices and and also. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could let's do a part two on race then. Yeah, I, I think yeah. There's plenty. I'm, I'm getting um, kind of tired. I mean, is any final thoughts for for now? You wanna, yeah, we should maybe call it a podcast. Um, yeah, so let's do um, let's do racial part two after this. Okay, that and good. Um, what are we going to talk about racial part two? I think we have a lot of things to discuss. I think we missed a lot that we had planned to talk about. AKA, will liberal American ideas about racism. Take hold in China. Uh, it's the very there's a lot of lot of meat there. There's a lot um, of meat there. How does the Chinese media relate to Michael Jackson's black or white <laughs> video? <laughs> That's important. That's yeah. important. Um, let's talk about Chinese humor in terms of race. Is sarcasm at play? Mm-hmm. Yes or mm-hmm. no? <laughs> <laughs> what a silky voice you have. Let's Matt, talk anyway. about Chinese education and its effect on thinking. Mm-hmm. Is it incentivizing for creativity? Mm-hmm. We kind of talked about we, that. We kind of, but we can we, we can definitely get deeper. It. We can definitely get deeper, and we can definitely yeah. Are all Chinese people racist? Mm, well, no is the obvious answer, but there's more to talk about than just that. But a lot of Chinese people are racist. <laughs> yeah. Well, you remember when we, we first traveled to Shanghai after high school and oh, the, yeah, the tourism yeah. book. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So just a little perspective. Yeah. We, we both graduated high school in 2004. We lived in Tokyo. 
And you know, a typical senior trip for for people who can go abroad is gonna be let's go to Europe, Europe. let's go yeah, backpacking yeah. Europe, like and let's go to Shanghai. Yeah, we're see, gonna go to Shanghai. Yeah, let's see. Something I saw different. Shanghai noon. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I saw Shanghai nights. <laughs> but uh, so uh, one of us had like a tourist book. Uh, it wasn't Lonely Planet, but it was you know I think an official Chinese tourist book. Uh, not you know not sort of a backroom book that you find like in the middle of nowhere. And uh, one of the it was fairly entertaining, while at the same time a little uncomfortable. Uh, points that they made in the book is they said, we do not have racism in China because there are no black people in China. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things, like, well. It's kind of like how there's, well. there's no racism in Germany because there's no Jewish people. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, similar it's, logic, you know? It's, yeah, it's definitely like one of those things that's like, wow. You said that. You went there. Well, <laughs> the only reason to be racist is it's, if yeah. they are black. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And what's great, both of those statements, patently untrue. There, there's plenty of racism in China, and there are black people in China. Like, just both things. And there's plenty of racism of certain Chinese against other Chinese. Yeah. It's an ethnic group. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the Chinese have always had a, a tumultuous, uh, tumultuous relationship with Koreans and Japanese, have been sort of their main... And, and Mongolians, and Mongolians which, which yeah. you have the province of inner Mongolia. Yeah. And don't forget uh, Southeast Asians. You're, you're, you know, from Thailand, from Vietnam, Laos. And you do uh, have minority groups in, in, in China that are of those same ethnicities. You have the yeah. Thai the Dai group in Yunnan mm. province who are a lot like Thai people. Yeah, and yeah. so like there's there's plenty of issues of race there. And then there were black people when we came here. Like you know, there's, there's tons of black people in Africa. Yeah, there's I mean, yeah, 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 tons in Africa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, there's lots of black people in Africa. I mean, there's tons of Chinese. I mean, tons of, of Chinese people, people and. There's tons of, <laughs> we're so close. There's tons of black people in China, and there's a growing population. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of them are not business professional. They're not. You know, a lot of them are related. Uh, are Nigerian? Uh, Nigerians related somehow to the drug trade? Well, that's Beijing. That's yeah, Beijing. that's Beijing. Okay, yeah, so that's... if we're looking at, I think most Africans in China actually are here in business. They're mm-hmm. they're doing. They're a lot of doing a lot of international trade. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Beijing and you're walking in certain areas, especially in uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's that district? Uh, Chongqing. Yeah, where your parents used to live. I know. They still Chaoyang district yeah, yeah, yeah. of yeah. Beijing, especially if you go to a place like Sanli Tun, yeah. like the Gongti, the worker's stadium area. Yeah. Shitloads of Africans hanging out. Hey, you want hashish, marijuana? You know, they're, they're, they're selling drugs in the streets. Yeah. I got this cocaine that's going to blow your mind, but who mm. knows what it's made of because we're in China and everything's yeah. fake. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably giving you ketamine mixed with, with fucking baking powder and rat poison or something. Well, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the fake cocaine aside, I think that uh, the, it's interesting. Uh, this, uh, I, I think it's one of the uh, this racial relation of you know these uh, Nigerians. Some of them are coming, I think, on their own fruition, and I think some of them, uh, the sort of the Chinese drug movement, is helping bring them here because there's you know uh, there's certain a certain intimidation that black people have. There's certain a notoriety when it comes to drug the drug subculture that uh, black people have. And so I, I think this is one of those uh, issues where the the notions are sort of exasperating the notions. You know, yeah, they're like, really good at lurking in the dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like 
you walk around in Beijing, there's these, like, dark streets, and there's, like, three African dudes just chilling, really quiet, mm-hmm. real quiet. You walk by, very friendly guy. So, yeah. hey, what's oh, up, man? Yeah. Hey, what's very, up, man? Yeah, Nigerians want to you buy, Yeah, you want to buy some of this, and then they give you, mm-hmm. like, the shittiest-looking hash. Yeah. You know, like, this, this weird black tar-looking crap. Yeah. And and well, I think it's similar in Japan. Like, you know, you have the, the Yakuza that are bringing in Nigerians to promote clubs, you know? Because yeah. it's like, there is, there is the size difference, you know? There, there's sort of an association with uh, with uh, in in these countries with black people and, and so- sociability sort of s- as well of a yeah, lot of these dudes. The, yeah, there is a sociability. Like uh, the Nigerians are very sociable people. Um, that generally, and this is important to note that it's generally go on stereotypes. They're really yeah. good at sending emails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Who hasn't met uh, you know an ambassador for a prince uh, via email? But um, they, they're good at get to gab, and they're also. Uh, Considering the conditions in Nigeria, the Nigerian government, they're more comfortable uh, out, or they're more flexible outside the law, or you know, they're they're more able to deal with these situations of sort of underground black market type situations, yeah, bribing and all that. So they probably have bribe culture down. Yeah, yeah. The, the you know, uh, for, I, I I had not been to Nigeria. I had a professor that, that talked extensively about it. And, yeah, I, I don't think that's... I just know that they were a very unpopular people outside of Nigeria. <laughs> and a lot of people are very suspicious and afraid of Nigerians outside of Nigeria. Because a lot of these guys come out of here and they're in these big syndicates, mm, stealing yeah. cars, selling drugs, stealing women, yeah. white There's a lot slavery, of, a lot blah, of bad blah, blah, blah. A lot of bad, yeah, a lot of bad PR, a lot yeah. of bad experience. And I think these situations, uh, I, I think they do exasperate themselves. I think they do, uh, you know, yeah, I definitely think that they fulfill themselves. Like, there's, you know, uh, like, I think, before, uh, before, like you know, Nigerians were coming, uh, you know, to to Beijing, or you know, I think there was some belief uh, a lot from American cinema that you know, black people, drug dealers, you know, like it's just yeah. it was a logical connection uh, based on our entertainment. Hey, yeah, why don't we get the black guys to sell the drugs? Yeah, yeah. like it's good marketing, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, you know, and I think so. It's just it really is sort of. It, it's not entirely a self-fulfilling prophecy, um, but it's sort of a, it, 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 it's exponentially growing in like these beliefs. Like uh, it's. But Shanghai is a much different landscape. You yeah. don't. You don't. I haven't seen one African drug dealer in Shanghai. That's true. Not even one. Here in yeah. southern China, it's largely the the Muslim uh, from the Muslims from the, the uh, Xinjiang dudes. Yeah, yeah. from uh, from western China that yeah. are the they control the drug trade. For some, you, you go to any area where there's a lot of foreigners. Uh, you go to this this one intersection, Fuming mm. Lu and and, and uh, Changla Lu. There's play. There's a restaurant called Cantina Gave, Mexican place. Mm. Bar eighty eight, right there. Tons of yeah. yeah bar eighty eight. <laughs> bar eighty eight experiences. Don't go there. Bar eighty eight sucks. Right. <laughs> bar eighty eight represents every nightclub that's Chinese that's outside of Shanghai. And and the thing is, a lot of like Shanghai foreigners are like, Shanghai is so fun and unique. Ooh. We have like this Great bar, that bar. Yeah, oh, and then we also uh, have bar eighty eight, uh, which is real gaudy and fun. It's like that's like every uh, single. Club outside of Shanghai that's in China, you dumb fuck. And wow. and, uh, and then um, and then you get these drug dealers that hang outside these places, and they're just real relaxed dudes. Mm-hmm. There's cops too, and the yeah. cops don't care. And these right. guys, hashish, marijuana, cocaine. Yeah, you want that? Mm. It's good, man. And then I mean, I, I sound yeah, a little bit, but, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. that's kind of how they talk, though. And yeah. their English ain't bad. Yeah. And um, <laughs> well, the drug trade, you gotta know some English. Yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's interesting. 
interesting dynamic that uh, and, and uh, a lot of people consider uh, these people thieves and drug dealers because they these are. these are yeah the, these are the opportunities that they have yeah. in in cities like Shanghai and and these are a very very small proportion of said. Ethno group, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely ethnic group, definitely yeah. small, yeah, and and so, but since like a lot of uh, a lot of them that come to Shanghai, these are the opportunities they have. Shanghainese, you know, like these centers of power, centers of commerce, see these people a certain way, and then you know act a certain way around them, or you know assume certain things about these people. Yeah, um, like in Beijing, for example, all the Nigerians, like this is you know made uh, immigration from Africa very difficult to China. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's uh, when I was getting my visa, like, uh, one of the people that was working with me in my company was like, it's a good thing you're not British or African. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and it's just like, yeah, it's so, it's, yeah, it's an interesting interplay that, you know, sort of perpetuates itself. And it's uh, something to think about in China. Chinese people go, I mean, okay, so let's say Chinese authorities go a lot about face. So yeah. if, if, if you want to lump yourself into a group and a lot of people in your group are causing trouble... You better you better handle that group of yours yeah. because they're going to ruin it for you. It's a group. Yeah. It's very clan oriented, group oriented yeah. society, which so, I think that's a, a great topic for a, for a later podcast. If I see an American acting like a like a, a shithead, you gotta you gotta do something. About I might it. do something. Yeah. I might say something. I might say, like, hey, 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 you're ruining my lot right now. Yeah, you're gonna act like this. You're gonna ruin my shit. Right yeah, now. they. Yeah. This is not a country of individuals where it's like, yeah. hey, you know that individual. No, if someone in your group in your clan and you're whatever is fucking up you, you know like you're you're partially responsible for them like well, I, mean, know, I, don't, yeah, I mean i mean i'm not you're, saying you're, you're not really responsible, responsible but that you're going to be judged yeah you're yeah. going to be yeah like you know how how people from your group act is you know like is is very important for how they're going to treat you how they're yeah. going to uh, how people are going to interact with you here and that's that's kind of maybe the rule of most of the world. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think so. I think there's a lot of strong stereotyping. Uh, even, yeah, even the Western world where we talk about individualism, uh, I think there's strong tendencies. Oh, that. that's, I mean, American individualism, I think it's kind of a fraud. Mm. <laughs> most people are followers in America. Well, I think, I mean, de Tocqueville talks about, and I, yeah. I bring him up, he's what, the second most quoted person in English after the Bible. Um, uh, it's something weird like that. Uh, but anyways, they, they, he basically is just like, yeah, with America, you know, you've got this free Freedom of you know like plenty of options to be of how to be in your life, um, but this basically leads to loneliness, uh, which basically leads to conformity. Yeah. So you know, yeah, it is. It's sort of like we have the option of being individuals, but as soon as you do become an individual, you're very lonely. Go to any school. Yeah, you'll see. You, you find a real individual. See how much they get bullied. Yeah, yeah I mean, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 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 The only okay, America likes individualism when you are exceptionally great. Yeah, they love it when yeah. you're not great. They they hate you. Yeah, they hate you with a passion. Look at any YouTube video oh, that's yeah. not that's not unanimously oh, they, loved. Yeah, There's yeah. so much hate. Yeah, there is definitely. Yeah, individualism in America is a bit of a fraud. I gotta say. Little, yeah. yeah. Although, yeah, we were really lucky in our experience. We went to a small school where we got to act exactly how we wanted to, and we liked. You know, we had a group of friends. Oh. And we weren't picked on. In Tokyo. In, in Tokyo, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a utopia. Yeah, it was, it was great. Cause, no bullies. Yeah, we, in America, we probably would have been bullied a little bit. Uh, I, I, I was in America. Yeah. I went to middle school. I went to sixth and seventh grade in Michigan. I got mm-hmm. bullied. Yeah, and I I got out of America in, in uh, I guess I was uh, 10 years old when I left America. And so, I fortunately, I wasn't bullied. It was, you know, but that's... 
Yeah. Well, I was in three Mich- hours. People are kind of assholes in Michigan. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're in the north. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fuck them. You know, but, uh, basing it on stereotypes here. But, <laughs> hey, then again, Stereotype hey, hey, hey. Yeah. There. You know, strong men thrive when good men do nothing. You know. Uh, strong men. Not strong men. Bad men. <laughs> hey. Uh, drinking too much, uh, too much beer tonight. Yeah. Um. So I think this is a good point to wrap this up. Uh. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh. We hope. Something we said uh, sparked something, or you know, just uh, we, you know, we hope you had fun. No, we hope you enjoyed yourself. We hope you learned something. Uh, and if you didn't, you know, you don't have to listen anymore. Yeah, we're, we're reasonable guys. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're not gonna hold you. <laughs> yeah, uh, but until next time, uh, I think we'll talk either about race continued. Maybe about China's bureaucracy. Uh, well, we'll probably do something like this where we, we try to focus on an issue, but we'll go off on many fail. tangents. Yeah. But then again, maybe there won't be such enthusiasm if we have to stick to such rigid guidelines. Yeah, that's, it's not our style. Uh, but well, uh, until then, stay, you know, stay <laughs> cliche goodbye in the language uh, you know, of, the, of the country we're living in, Zai Jian, bitches. Mm-hmm. Until next time.